Wrestling Geeks After listening, this is a show where me and my co-host Christopher Brother Ray Patton break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews of shows to come and previews. Oh, no, reviews of shows in the past and previews of shows to come. Screw that up towards the end. I'm only human. But the one person that makes up for my mistakes is Christopher Brother Ray Patton. How you doing, sir? Doing great, man. You put a lot of pressure on me now. I feel like I'm going to botch like everything we do the rest of the show. <laughs> we'll just have a botchamania episode, if you will. Oh, sounds great. Uh, how you been, buddy? What have you been up to? Oh, uh, you know, just chilling, working. Nothing a whole lot different. Um, watching movies, uh, watching wrestling. Uh, lots of uh, Halloween-themed stuff. Yeah, kind of the same thing over here. Uh, I, I rewatched Sissy recently, which if you remember, I guess it was like a year ago at this point, a movie I put over very hard. So if for those out there that haven't seen that small Australian um, banger, go check it out. It's fucking great. And uh, like I'm trying to think uh, I watched the, the first two Child's Plays because there is an event happening at the Atlanta Puppetry Museum in which they're going to show the film and also have like one of the new robotic puppets from the sci-fi show. So I think I'm going to check that out. And uh, yeah, there's like a horror movie with Matt Dillon. I started where he goes to hell and he's like kind of reliving uh, his moments. I started that this morning. I'm going to try to finish it. I think it's called like the house that Jack built. Have you ever seen that? Yeah. That director specifically is a really fucking, I forgot what his name is. He did uh um, what's the name of that movie? The Antichrist with uh, William Defoe, or Willem Defoe, I should say. But uh, yeah, that it's uh, it's pretty brutal. Yeah, I only got like thirty minutes into it. It seemed very interesting. It just keeps popping up on those lists of like, here are some movies that you may have missed for your Halloween season. You know what I mean? Like those those mm-hmm. like uh, clicker articles or whatever. And I was like, man, this thing just keeps showing up, so I should give it a watch. But I made it like 30 minutes into it and got sidetracked doing shit around the house. So I'm probably going to finish that after the show today. And outside of that, it was just a lot of wrestling. We had the two pay-per-views and uh, everything else that happened this week. So outside of – yeah, and and I got uh, I got a, I got the Xbox Series S, so I've been playing a lot of video games. I'm proud of you. I'm definitely proud of you for that. Um, Let's see, specifics. I – You'll like this. So um, they had. I found it randomly. I don't know how I found it on YouTube, but I ended up watching it the next day. They had the. Do you remember on Nickelodeons during the 90s? They had the Nick uh, or treat and they would like have people do that stupid video game where they went in the neighborhood and like knocked on doors. It was like an animated thing and they got prizes. And I always wanted to do it, of course. Never happened. Um but they had would have like all their shows like they had a two part episode of Pete and Pete, uh, two part of uh, 
what's the Canadian scary show with Alicia Cuthbert? Oh, uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark? And they had a couple other stuff, All, All Real Monsters. But with commercials and everything, it's not the best quality. But if you want a little nostalgia, and uh, I had it on in the background, it was uh, it, it was fun, Chris. Yeah, it's it's so great that people are starting to upload these old VHS captures of stuff like that. Like I watched um like a Fox Kids one of those recently that was like VR Troopers, Power Rangers, Life with Louie, Bobby's World, and you still get all those like vintage commercials. Like I lo- I love it. It's so great. Um, and also the the YouTube with no ads is makes it even better because you don't get interrupted with a modern ad. <laughs> <laughs> so it actually does feel like that you're like reliving a part of your childhood. It's so cool that people are out there doing that. Yeah, do it more. God, what are you what are you doing? If you get some VHSs, upload that random Disney 1980s. That I know I watched another one where it was a uh, some Disney compilation of like animated things, and uh, it was definitely late 80s, early 90s. It it was awesome because they have like the intro that I completely my brain forgot about that they would do for like ABC specials. And then later on the Disney channel um, where it's like a bunch of different stuff. It's like, it shows you like a cheetah at randomly at one part and you're like going with Tinkerbell and then she goes up the side of Epcot. Like just YouTube's out of all the terrible things that YouTube does. Thank you so much for having the ability for people to put VHS copies of random shit on there like like uh like chris eloquently said before me yeah it's it's i mean it's really really interesting to watch that stuff especially when you get hit with like local ads like i grew up in hall county so like one of our local ads was the wolfman and uh, donna american uh, i can't remember it's like a furniture place in gainesville so you're like galleria yeah so like it's cool seeing that in other areas like the particular the last one i watched was uh, obviously it was like it was recorded in las vegas so there was just one comic book store that kept showing up and uh i'm a nerd so i couldn't leave it alone i was like i wonder if this comic book store is still in business turns out they are they have moved locations like three times but they're still in business so it's like uh I, i get like really invested in seeing if these local businesses are still open when i watch one of those yeah, no, I, I I completely get it. Uh, it's uh, it's very strange to relive the past, but it's also very uh, just you know nostalgia. It's 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 a drug. Uh, that's why I fall asleep usually watching old Raw episodes or old Simpson episodes or something else to draw my youth out, along with a copious amount of me- never mind. Anyways, uh, were you about to say something, Chris? <laughs> No, I, I, the only other thing I was going to say is like you were talking about kind of the in-betweens. Um, there is a great YouTube, like YouTube channel called Defunct Land, and he did like a one and a half hour documentary about the Disney mnemonic, like the in-between break things where they draw the mouse with the wand or whatever. <clears throat> and it was about trying to find out who the composer of that was originally. And it's it's really, really well done. I highly recommend if, if anyone that's into those like nostalgic, like here's the little in-between things. It's uh, before you head to commercial or whatever, kind of like the bridge gap. Uh, it's like it's really, really, really well done. That's pretty cool. I, I, I didn't know about that. I'll have to check it out. Um, 
trying to think of anything else that I specifically watched. I mean, a couple horror movies here and there. I went and watched. Actually, yeah, that's that's uh, relevant. I watched um, Exorcist Beginning, or no, no, no. What the hell's the name of it? The new one uh, from David Gordon Green, who has made some movies like Pineapple Express and the first Halloween that I really liked, and then made terrible ones like the second and third one for Halloween that I hated. Uh, he's now with Universal, and they got the rights to write three movies connected to the Exorcist films. Um, apparently, when William Freakin found that out, he wasn't that happy, but he has since passed, R.I.P., uh, the original director for it. But, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just say this. I think it's worth a watch. Uh, I don't think it's as bad as some people perceive it. Uh, my favorite sequel for The Exorcist is Exorcist 3 because the writer uh, directly or directed that actually as a sequel uh, based off of his sequel uh, to the original book. So I definitely recommend people watch that. This is probably next after that, but it's because of a lot of cameos. Uh, but the movie starts off really good, and it has a. The, it, I, I will say the pacing's not the greatest. It's like even though it has two hours, all the scenes slam into each other. So there is that, but uh, it just the ending's kind of a little bit lackluster. But uh, I still recommend watching it. I'm just saying you don't really have to rush out and go to theaters, in my opinion, to go see it. Uh, it's better than The Exorcist 2. I'll just put it that way. But I don't know if I also need two more fucking films uh, with this. Yeah, and we kind of live in a world where we've done a bunch of Exorcist sequels, even though they're not sequels, because they're pretty much carbon copies of the original Exorcist. I mean, that original film is so terrifying and... I mean, it's going to be hard to live up to that legacy, much like when people have tried to redo Halloween or reboot Halloween. I mean, it's just it's kind of a legend in its own status. Right. So it's uh, I, I saw the previous. So basically what you're saying is. So basically what you're saying is keep David Gordon Green away from any more 70s horror properties. <laughs> I did not. I did not dislike the uh, second and third Halloween movie as much as as much as you did. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Give someone else a shot at it, right? Yeah. <laughs> if you're gonna if you're gonna re if you're gonna redo one of these like classic films, like I don't like, know. Like I watched it, Chris, and I'll just say like I'm like if Denny Villeneuve or or Ari Aster even got a chance to do something like this, I know Ari Aster wouldn't do a. I don't even know if Denny Villeneuve would either. Like do a sequel to a film from the seventies, but uh, I don't know. It's a, it's a lot of subject matter. We've all seen a million exorcist movies. None of them will live up to that first one. They did stuff in it that was groundbreaking and no one's really been able to pull off. I don't think. Yeah. And a lot of that has to do with the actors that were in that first movie. Like Linda Blair is fucking incredible as the possessed child. Obviously, I've not seen this new flick, so I can't talk about like the acting in it. But I mean, like it's ter- the gruntle screaming and stuff that they were able to do with some of the weird reverse reverb and stuff they would put on it. Like it's it's a very haunting movie because we talked about this last week. I, it's one of the first ones I watched to kick off the spooky season because it was on uh, AMC, and I watched through it. And, and granted, that is like a 
not the version you would necessarily want to watch of that, but it was on. So uh, it's still just a great flick. My, like my wife still can't watch it. It, it freaks her the fuck out. Um, Cause it, I mean, as far as like a, if, if, if someone's not into horror movies and you want to give them a good spook, <laughs> put on the exorcist. Um, but yeah, like, I, I don't know. I'm kind of curious to know what that, what, what that new film is like because from the previews it actually looked like it could be potentially pretty decent so i'll, I'll probably check it out but like you said I, I don't i didn't look at it and go hey man i need to go to the theaters and see that yeah linda bernstein shows up she's good i think people are making a really big deal of her not being a full part of the movie and more a cameo but that's she's right in the trailer so it's good seeing the mom back from the original um there are good elements about it chris i will say that the acting is actually really good i my biggest thing is the pacing and the landing of the ending and trying to take a newer property and do it years later uh just i don't know i would rather them try to like i don't know make it take place directly after the exorcist and make it look like the 70s and actually you know try to I don't know, something something on, along those lines. But what do I know? I don't make the money to ruin movie properties for Universal <laughs> Studios. Well, it's, like, kind of hard to ruin The Exorcist as a property. Like, they, you know, that's the thing about these horror movies. Like, they've kind of ruined themselves in a lot of ways <laughs> with pre- previous sequels. So it's, like, if the reboot is better than one of the original sequels, I don't really have as much of a problem <laughs> with it uh now obviously there's some like counterpoints to that like some of the chucky films <laughs> it came out later or some of the texas chainsaw massacre films that came out later but um yeah it's kind of hard to uh give them too much crap when it comes to the horror realm because like even the original directors of some of these or original creators and directors and studios they were just pumping out these like terrible sequels <laughs> like yeah just awful stuff and sometimes you find a diamond in the rough within them like uh text chance massacre 2 which is completely different than the first one but the most part you find a lot of bad sequels or exorcist 3 like i said that one's a a damn good movie um even shot and similar in look to the william freaking uh first exorcist film but yeah like i said you don't have to rush out and see it in theaters uh, I can't wait, based on the trailers, to see, um, and who knows if it's actually going to be good, but uh, Five Nights at Freddy's or whatever the fuck, based off that game. Uh, and it's got uh, Matthew Lillard, so I'm looking forward to seeing that. I don't know. There's a bunch of horror movies on. I'm probably just going to watch a lot of stuff at home for free. Or if I have to, Chris, I'll pay the fucking $4, even though I got 50 fucking apps. <laughs> yeah we need to start a community uh hit us up on twitter hit me at chris r pat and let's get into some app sharing no i'm kidding um <laughs> but uh yeah no I, I agree with you man you, you there's a, there's just so much out there to watch in general which is great um but like this whole app like the amount of apps that you have to have to watch something and some of these are like cross companies uh like recently canceled heels uh got removed from stars and hasn't showed up like landed anywhere which i hope means that it's it got bought uh but i didn't realize that that's like actually a paramount joint 
So it's like oh. that's so weird in itself. So I was like, so is it going to land on like Paramount Plus? Like, where can I go watch this? Because I recently did a, a 6M Tom, uh, Tom Clark 6M podcast with him talking about heels, uh, which should be out, I think, next week or something. And uh, yeah, like we like when I started going through like trying to rewatch it, they had removed it from the stars app. So I had to like do some nefarious means to go back and rewatch some episodes. And I was like, what the hell is. And then it, like it, it led to, led me to like I have all of these apps, but they don't <laughs> like the way they rotate shows in and out and stuff. And like a, a lot of it is the same thing, just on a second platform, like Black Panthers on like three apps that i have uh it's just really weird how they license that stuff like back in the day when it was netflix you know they were spending like big money to be exclusive rights holders to to shows which i guess they still do with shows like seinfeld and the office etc but yeah it's there's a lot a lot a lot a lot a lot of apps yeah there's too many and some of them are free and some of them you pay for and then you still find out that one isn't on any of them so it's it's a modern day, you know, but I've been watching a lot of free ones and I appreciate that. Well, technically they're not free unless they're on free V or, or peak or not peacock, uh, Pluto TV. But, um, yeah, I pay for all the other ones. So thanks. Tubi actually has like a pretty good selection of horror movies right now. If you're not That's just looking yeah, if you're not just looking for like I want the triple A banger from my childhood, but they have like a ton of like under the radar horror stuff that's kind of great. Um, have you ever seen that '80s film, uh, Mommy's Mommy Dearest? No, is that there's a major actress in there, right? I can't remember the ac- actresses. I, the Exorcist made me think of it. It's kind of a possession movie, but it is like related to a doll, if I remember correctly. Okay. Um, so kind of has some of this like weird cult setup of like some of the early the, the early parts of the exorcist and then uh yeah i don't know it's, it's a cool flick i watched that uh, it was a couple months ago so it's been a while but if you've never seen it go check it out it's it's one of those that kind of falls into multiple categories because you're like what if we did like the exorcist but child's play <laughs> it's one of those that's but, not, that sounds cool and i've definitely heard the title before yeah, it's a cool flick. But for whatever reason, when you were talking about The Exorcist, it popped, it popped back into my head. I was like, oh, maybe I should give that another watch this Halloween season. Um, and I, I haven't hit like going through the actual like Halloween flicks yet. And that's going to be in itself, like how am I gonna, going to do that? Like, am I going to watch all of them? I'm not going to watch all of them. I'm probably going to watch one and two from the original series and then watch one from the uh, the actual reboot. That's probably the correct answer. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to check that out because, like I said, I, I think I saw you post something about that on Facebook. One last movie I want to throw out there, uh, a classic horror story. I watched it on Netflix, and all I got to say, it's it's an Italian horror movie, uh, newer. I think it's from 2021. Uh, Netflix has it on, I think, I think it's actually higher up because of, you know, spooky season and shit. But um, listen, listen to this for a comparison concept. It is Midsommar meets Scream. Try to digest that. 
Okay, so that's interesting. It's pretty good. I'll recommend it. But like nothing, I'm not saying it's like one of the best horror movies ever. I'm just saying it was pretty good flick, you know? Buck 30 in time, so it's not too long, like 90 minutes. So, so, like, so with like Midsommar, like they have the, it's like, so it's like a cult aspect, but there is like a, like slasher killer on the loose. So let's just say that I don't want to give you too much, but I will say that the mafia might have a very religious related cult like concept in Italy. Oh, wow. That actually, that, that, that sounds really interesting. If you gave me, if you were like, Chris, I need you to write a script or make a movie and I want it to be scream and Midsommar. My immediate thought would be like, I would do something with like Westboro Baptist church. <laughs> like, there you go. That, that would, that would be interesting. That's for sure. Uh, kind of like it, red state. Yeah. It would be kind of like red state. And then like you have like a, a it, within this co- crazy compound, that's already terrifying, uh, like a slasher killer villain. Um, and then you could give him like a backstory if you wanted to, uh, like, you know, like he, he, his sister died because she was part of this cult, for instance. And then now he's like, uh, he, he joined the Westboro Baptist church or whatever. Obviously you can't call it Westboro Baptist church, but whatever rendition of that, uh, he joined to take revenge on the people that took his sister or mom or whatever away. And then that's like the entire backstory. So (laughs) there you go. Also, no, no I like it. They, they can call the church the uh, East Cave uh, Pentecostal Church. There you go. <laughs> that works, right? Like, yeah. But yeah, no, that sounds really cool, especially with if it's going to be set in Italy. I'm sure it looks. Is it actually? Did they actually film it in Italy, or? Mm-hmm. It, it's an Italian film. Oh, cool. Yeah, I, I'm going to check that out. That sounds pretty interesting. Yeah, I liked it. Um, like I said, not not one of the greatest. It's not Midsummer in the fact that, like, when I saw Midsummer afterwards, I was like, I don't know English anymore. All I know is this, and uh, I learned English shortly back uh, after that. But this was a this was a fun horror movie, and kind of like I like the nod. Um, but anyways, yeah, it is did tricky. You ever, did you ever watch the uh, the Omen TV series that they had on Sci Fi? No, was it any good? I really enjoyed it. It didn't get renewed for a second season, so you kind of just end on like a like cliffhanger type ending, which sucks. But uh, I actually really enjoyed that show. I wish someone would. If you're, we're talking about shows getting picked back up, I wish they would do <laughs> to pick that one back up. Yeah, it definitely would be nice to uh, have something better than. I've only seen the second one, and it wasn't that bad. But I just heard they get worse and worse. Even though the story and concept of Damien's supposed to be pretty damn cool, you know. Well, it's not cool, but uh, the fact that he gets to the level, you know, goes through climbing everything and then getting to president and, you know, get the Nostradamus reference, if you will. Uh, so that's that's neat. So the show kind of throws a lot of that out the window. And, uh, like, he, it's Damien as an adult, but he is... Uh, He's in therapy, and he also was a war journalist. That's interesting, for sure. Uh, yeah, like it was. It was actually pretty well done, and it's like, um, 
they tie it into kind of like the new millennia and um, like satanic church trying to hunt him out because uh, the coming of the devil is soon or whatever. It's actually like, like I was like, this is as far as like reboots and shows and stuff go related to horror. I was like, this is actually pretty good, especially because like you said, those, some of those Omen sequels are pretty rough. <laughs> um, but I, I do really enjoy that first flick and uh, I like the show a lot. So anyone out there looking for something to watch, like check, check that out. But just spoiler alert, like I said, there's not really, it's not finished. They just kind of leave you with, Hey, okay. The show got canceled. So sorry. Yeah, no, that's, uh, it makes me want to watch it, but I just hate knowing that aspect. It's kind of like when I watched, um, last man on earth, uh, during the pandemic. And I had no idea that it ended after like four seasons and was really enjoying it. Uh, fucking goddamn production companies and it quits or broadcasting companies, whatever. You quit fucking canceling, douchebags. My Hunters was amazing, Netflix, you jerks. <laughs> yeah, like, I can't believe they canceled that show because um, it was pretty popular. But, uh, yeah, it's it's terrible when they at least give the writers and actors of the show, like, heads up. Like, I don't know. I know it's kind of a hard thing to do, but. Because then at least they have a chance to wrap it up. Like, I felt like that's how the first season of Heels was. Is like, hey, you guys probably aren't going to get renewed for a second season. Because, like, if you watch the last episode of uh, season one of Heels, you're like, okay, if the show ended right here, that would be fine. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, yeah, like, obviously, when I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of crazy to go through the effort of promoting and doing a show and then like leaving it on a cliffhanger like that. I'm sure somewhere a Firefly fan is really typing hard uh, <laughs> as we talk right now. Yeah, that was one of the first ones. I remember people were pissed. Uh, it just, you know, it's, it's all money and calculations and other type of metrics that they use, just like with wrestling shows and programs. To figure out what should stay and what should go and blah, blah, blah. And that's way over my pay grade, man. You know? Yeah, well, I, so so this rating shit, I recently did this for Heels because, like, like I said, I did that episode or whatever. Um, that show was doing, like, 100,000 viewers streaming. And the debut of that new Daryl Dixon Walking Dead show did like 80 million or, or 800 or eight, uh, no, not even 800,000. It's less. Than, um, yeah. So it was like it, when you look at like how big The Walking Dead was, like it, it's so hard to judge like things on TV like wise because we consume media so differently. But like at, at, at its peak, that show did like in season five or whatever, it was doing like 14 million. And uh, it did like 800,000. Like, that's, it's insane. I think it's kind of a hard, it's like a weird thing to cancel and uh, cancel and handle like shows based on ratings. Cause I, I don't know. The internet's a thing. And there's very, there's various ways to watch and consume stuff. I don't know, like on a streaming platform, I don't know how like reliable your numbers for that kind of thing is going to be. I don't know, man. 
I just I hate I hate to see certain shows go. Um, one more thing about movies that kind of correlates to what we normally talk about. Uh, we were about to this week uh, embark on a trailer, and we got the first promotional shots for the movie The Iron Claw coming out in December, uh, December twenty second, uh, directed by uh, newer up and coming director Sean Durkin. I know that he made a movie called The Nest that had some buzz a few years back. Maybe it was a show, um, but you know, relatively new. Obviously, has Jeremy Allen White from. Uh, the very, very popular show, The Bear, uh, as Carrie Von Erich, Zach Efron as Kevin Von Erich, MJF is Lance Von Erich, uh, the fake Von Erich, basically. Lily James is in it, uh, and Harris Dickinson as David Von Erich. So, oh, and Hulk, uh, speaking of, uh, we were just talking about, uh, what the hell, uh, Mindhunters. I didn't know this, but uh, Holt McCallany, I think is how you pronounce his last name. He's playing Fritz. I didn't know that. That was the partner, the older kind of gruffer partner on uh, Mindhunters. Uh, but I'm looking forward to this. I can't wait to see the trailer. It's definitely going to be a sad movie. If you know the story or if you don't, it's it's a sad tale. But I hope that it does extremely well. And I hope that maybe we're looking at Zach Efron and uh, Jeremy Allen White uh, when it comes to the Oscars coming up for their role in this. I'm looking forward to seeing the movie. Um, I think it's I th- it should be really good with the cast that they have, and it like um, seeing those like promotional shots and like some leak shots of like some of the actors. It looks like it's going to be like really well done. My only problem is like the story of the Von Ericks has been told so many times. So I'm going to have to like ramp up myself to uh, be excited about that portion. Cause it, like you said, it is, it's going to be very sad. Uh, we know that. And they've done like, I know that they've done at least three WWE things related to the Von Ericks. Uh, and then they did like what a dark side and there's some other documentaries. It's like one of the most covered things in wrestling, which is kind of surprising considering that the Von Ericks were, kind of really only big in texas and japan yeah i think it's more about the story itself it's the fact that they want wrestling fans to go but they're not trying to get just wrestling fans it's more about like telling a story cinematically that will breach more people than the ones that like me and you that watch the dark side of the ring or the other documentaries that have come out because i don't think random joe who doesn't watch pro wrestling probably even knows who the hell the Von Erics are. So, you know, I think it's, it's more or less trying to create an Oscar based off a good story than caring if wrestling fans have heard this story over and over again, repetitively like me and you have. Yeah. And you can tell wrestling is in a boom period because we had a wrestling TV show. We have this movie about to come out. There's like the, there's a couple of other films or scripts that have been floating around for other wrestling films. And then you, uh, like Amazon just put out Cassandro, uh, which was pretty good. I gave that a watch. I think I talked to you about that offline. Um, and then OVW's, uh, show over on, uh, the wrestlers on uh, Netflix. Yeah. I mean, it's one of those weird things where you almost could run into oversaturation the von erics thing is like kind of is a perfect like fit to not do that because there is a great story there 
Um, but yeah, with some of these other other things, I you do run into like this is only going to be for wrestling audiences. So you're you're probably right on that as far as like if you're going to do a movie, the Von Erich story is pretty good. I would say like the like doing the Anoki story, uh, you know, would be probably the route I would go if I was going to make a wrestling movie. That would be definitely a fascinating film. Um, there's definitely certain aspects of certain things that have happened in pro wrestling that would be very interesting for someone to go through. Uh, even like the grassroots, like I always say, I love a docu-series, uh, the Gold Dust Trio and, and uh, you know, uh, all, the beginning of wrestling and how it was much more gangster-esque and uh, just... A lot of crazy stories. It was literally off the Wild West, so you had some aspect of that as well. So, um, yeah, I would like them to tackle some of the stuff from the beginning. Um, but, I mean, like I said, there's there's movies that you can make for a lot of guys that would be great films. Um, I guess we'll see. The oversaturation doesn't scare me because I think that Everyone wants wrestling to be popular like it once was. So I, I, I'm not scared like I am with the comic book movie films, which I think are definitely on the downfall, unfortunately. Uh, now that I look, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to certain things, but I I don't think people care as much. I think the wind would suck out of those sails. Yeah, maybe oversaturation is not. I think that there's definitely room out there to do things that are kind of all encompassing in fans, but we just saw heels try to do that and kind of get canceled. So it's, I just wonder how much of an audience there is for that. Hopefully this Von Mm -hmm. film does really, really well. Like, because I want to see more of these. (laughs) Like there's a lot of great stories when it comes to, wrestling and professional wrestling like you said even if you wanted to go back to like the carny days of wrestling um like there's a lot of interesting stuff that could be told there and i really want them to do that vince mcmahon flick at some point uh even though i know it's going to be completely opposite of <laughs> what probably actually that's what cancer what but uh yeah I, I don't know man there's a lot of interesting tales um but we, I mean, we got hit with what the Young Rock. We have the Dark Side of the Ring stuff. We have the wrestlers on Netflix. We have, we had heels. We have this Von Eric flick coming out. There's like, you can tell wrestling's in a boom period because there is definitely, which is funny because Hills kind of talked about it with their streaming platform. <laughs> like wrestling's really hot right now. Like in their story <laughs> of that of that show. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the Von Eric film. It is one of the most over-told stories in wrestling. That's the only caveat for me. And it's also a really sad one. So it's kind of like, man, I got to hear this again. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel you on that. But still compelling subject matter, I will say. Uh, how do you want to do this? Do you want to go in order? Like we do the NXT pay-per-view, then we do the AEW pay-per-view, talk about Dynamite. Oh, no, no, who has? Yeah, AEW. And then talk a little bit Raw SmackDown and preview the pay-per-view for today. Yeah, that sounds good. I keep forgetting that WWE does their pay-per-views on Saturday. Every time we do one of these, 
and you're like the pay-per-view for today. I'm like, oh, yeah. And then I get really happy because I'm so glad that they moved them to Saturdays, but I continuously forget, apparently. Uh, it's understandable, man, you know. Um, But I really did enjoy the NXT No Mercy. Um, I really also enjoy the fact that, like, all my old-school favorite nostalgic WCW and WWE-based pay-per-views are coming back for NXT, um, like No Mercy or In Your House or um, Halloween Havoc, like, you know. That's pretty cool. Vengeance. That's 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 a neat thing that Sean did. Because I love takeovers, and it was cool having a takeover, but you had, like, what, four or five a year? So it wasn't like it was yearly, you know? So I, I like them branching off and actually having names, the pay-per-view, and pertaining to our old asses, Chris. Yeah, I'm still convinced that the only reason they're doing that is because the fucking search engine on Peacock is super shitty. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. We talked about that a little bit last week. But yeah, no, I I love that. I want them to bring back uh, something wild. Like, like, can we do like a a hog wild live in Sturgis NXT event? Dude! (laughs) Put Cody on commentary. (laughs) (laughs) That would be awesome. Um, yeah, as long as we keep the drunk bikers from beating up anyone, I think that would be doable, you know? How about Mall of America? Can we get a fucking, can we get a pay-per-view or a Raw in Mall of America, or NXT at least? Oh, that would be great. I'm surprised that Tony Khan hasn't done that. Like, let's run an AEW event at Mall of America. (laughs) It seems like something AEW would do. Yeah, dude, that shit was that was the shit when Nitro did that back in the day. Um, yeah, actually, did WWE do that too because they had that match with Undertaker and the fucking Tombstones Triple H on the damn thing. Yeah, but that was like kind of just like a. If I, well, maybe I don't. Did they do the whole live show from there? I don't think they did the whole like the Nitro, the famous Nitro, which is the introduction of Lex Luger to WCW. Was that the, the entire show was live? Um, and if you can find like the original format of that show with Hulk Hogan talking about Pasta Mania, brother, uh, <laughs> it's really great. Well, this is uh, NXT No Mercy, so we had this. Where, where the fuck were they for this thing? Um, they're in California, Bakersfield. Woo! And, and uh, good show. Really good from top to bottom. Pretty good matches. I really enjoyed the two main events. Um, but here's the thing. It's like, Chris, and don't get me wrong. I enjoyed uh, the, whatchamacallit, AEW's pay-per-view on Sunday. But, God, dude, you just, when you watch NXT, it's like seven, eight at the tops. And this is including the fucking pre-show match or matches. Out of the whole thing, you're in. It's fun, and you're out. And I always appreciate that about the model of how they do pay-per-views in NXT, Chris. Yeah, I mean, this the, the WWE model, I mean, outside of Mania, because Mania is two nights and has, like, a lot of shit on it. Um, but the, the WWE pay-per-view model of, like, it's, it's three hours, and then we're going to let you go by 1030 is perfect. Um. I really liked Wrestle Dream a lot, so I'm not taking anything away from it. But man, there was like six hours of wrestling. 
That's a lot, bud. <laughs> yeah, I had to split it up into two days because I'm old and I have to work early in the morning on Monday. So that was your fault. We also AEW. had like we had three AEW pay per views in like eight weeks. So, and there was like twelve matches apiece on each of those pay per views. Uh, and and I heard like with their new TV deal they're going to look at even doing more pay-per-views and and I'm fine with doing more pay-per-views, but can we get to like, let's do matches that matter and maybe don't have like 12 fucking matches on the card, please. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to agree with you for sure. So getting to what I was saying, there's seven matches, including the first match on the pre-show on this card. Uh, that being, there was a little bit of Kalani Jordan is in the new um, I don't know what they're calling it, but like what they've done in the past, trying to get new female talent, introduce them. They do like a little tournament and uh, Blair Davenport. She's a jerk. The former B Priestley just, uh, you know, kept on just beating the shit out of her and they had a match and uh, Blair went over, kind of expected that. And the other girl seems like she has some potential, but, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to see Blair Davenport put back in the uh, title picture. I know she was injured for a little while, and she's just kind of recently come back. But, um, yeah. Yeah, so, so far we're one, one for one on predictions because uh, I, I think we both had Blair winning that match. And, uh, yeah, I hope they do more with her. She was in the – if you listen to last week's episode, fans out there, uh, she was on my trade list of, like, either do something with her or <laughs> move her to a different company because she is too great to be on uh, the pre-show. But like you said, she's coming back off of injury and hopefully she'll get thrusted back into uh, the main title picture there. Yeah, she's, I mean, they do have a lot of good females and unfortunately uh, they had a couple Blair included, uh, you know, but her uh, Cora Jade got injured while she was having her feud. And I think she just came back, but while she was having her feud with uh, Roxanne Perez and, um, who is the beautiful blonde chick that everyone loves her split that she does at the end? I'll just put it that way. Oh, man, I can't remember her name. But she's been out because she was injured as well. Um, so it's good that it seems like all three of them are coming back. Blair's obviously back. So, damn it, this is going to drive me crazy. I hate it when I forget people's names. But um, I'll have to look that up while you're talking, Chris, after this. Uh, I'll introduce the next match, though, before we do that. Baron Corbin going against uh, Braun Breaker. And, uh, you know, two big men slapping meat. These guys beat the shit out of each other. Uh, Baron ended up winning. So I don't know if that means because these guys have been off and on feuding, it seems, for a while. So um, I don't know. I just think that Braun specifically needs to, you know, probably start going towards the main roster. Although, you know, we do have everything set up, and we will talk about it after this. The NXT card for next week, and uh, he's got Paul Heyman in his corner going against Carmelo Hayes, who has uh, Mr. Cody. No, 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 no. Cody Rhodes is also going to be on it. John Cena's in, in Carmelo's corner. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, we'll talk about the Tuesday Night Wars of next week after. So this kind of, uh, this this leads me to believe that Baron's going to stick around. And that's kind of when we did our predictions last week, I was I, I didn't have a problem with Baron Corbin winning the match if he's going to stick around. And it seems like that's the case. And I think that's probably a good place for Baron Corbin just simply because of how 
much they utilized him and, and kind of shoved him down your throat. Cause I think Baron Corbin actually is a, a performer and wrestler is really good. Uh, but he did start getting like the Vince McMahon stank on him a little bit, kind of like the uh, cane of the main roster where it's like, Oh, well we need a heel. Here's Baron Corbin there for a while. So it's cool to see him in NXT thriving and working with some of these uh, younger cats. And uh, I, I don't know. It's like a career of, revitalization for Baron Corbin in some ways. So a uh, really good match. Uh, how did you feel about it, bud? Did you like it? Oh, that's my cue that my mom mute. Hey, how's it going? Yeah, actually I, I, I did. I did enjoy the match. Um, you know, pretty much a Haas fight. Like I said, I guess this is uh, extending the feud, but I keep on wondering if it's too hop top heavy on the main roster. That's why we haven't seen Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes, Ilya Dragunov make their way up there because they got a lot of fucking people over there as well. So it's going to be interesting once they do pull Braun Breaker because he's going to be, especially if he ends up being maybe a Paul Heyman guy like they're hinting at. Yeah, that ties into kind of the what when I was talking about what I would do with CM Punk, like maybe that storyline is already out there kind of thing where, hey, Bloodlines is going to eventually turn on Paul Heyman. Who's he going to bring in? Uh, so if they can't get Paul, if they can't get Punk, like that would be a great program for Braun Breaker to come in uh, as just a complete madman. No, I definitely would. I completely agree with you on that. Um. Like I said, next Tuesday is going to be nuts, though. Did you like that poster I sent to you? That was the, uh, what is it, WrestleMania? Um, the one from a couple <laughs> of years back, and it had, like, John Cena and Triple H and Brock Lesnar. And the funny thing is the Undertaker's on the front of it, but it looks like that's actually going to happen. But like I said, we will go over that in a, in a, in a few. Let's go over this pay-per-view first. Undertaker on NXT. What the fuck? Anyways. Next match. We had Trick Williams going against Dirty Dominic Mysterio, and uh, Dragon Lee was the referee. This is a really good match. I, I'm really starting to like Trick Williams. You know, he's lankier, so he was a bit awkward at first, but I think he's getting into his zone. And I don't think, like, you know, a couple of years ago when him and Carmelo were put as a package deal, we saw Carmelo and how, you know, agile he is in the ring. Uh, it took Trick a little while to get himself, you know, to any level of, of, of looking like a really good in-ring competitor compared to who he was with, but we all liked him because he bought about it, you know, he's, uh, he's funny and, uh, good stuff. Now this would be reversed because the bloodline was not there for this match. Uh, and then, you know, basically Rhea Ripley said that Dominic won't be getting more, uh, Dom Dom fun time. So he had to rewin that match, and basically every member, including the newest member, if he is a member, um, beat the crap out of him during the match, and uh, Trick doesn't have that title anymore. But when it happened, it was cool, especially how me and you predicted that it could be that Trick has the title and Carmelo doesn't, and that's exactly what happened, Chris. Yeah, I, I hated the date. Like, he... 
I hated that, that they kind of did the the way that they went about the title afterwards, but I actually liked the match. I enjoyed the match. I liked the Trick Williams push. Uh, this felt like there that was the story that they were going to go with, and they were like, yeah, but we need like John Cena with a top guy <laughs> for this Tuesday episode, like a, like a quick rewrite or something. Like, I don't know. Um, it's she's not gonna get Dom. He's not gonna have any Dom Dom fun time. That needs to be. A sh- <laughs> By the way, that's gonna be the title of this episode. Um, yeah, I like Trick Williams. He's getting better and better, and it's it's really cool. Like like I talked about this last week, but on the uh, like the press conference, Sean talking about how he is like the guy that shows up and leaves last, and he's like honestly just like really trying to get good, and I think like his push is showing that. And uh, the only thing I would say about Trick Williams, like, well, this is more a, a thing about NXT fans. The whoop that trick chant, which I I love Terrence Howard and I, I love Hustle and Flow. So don't get me wrong. I am also all about 3-6 Mafia and whoop that trick. But it kind of sounds like you're cheering for the other guy. <laughs> Since the guy's <laughs> name is Trick Williams. <laughs> I didn't think about that. That's true. Um, but, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you know, get get him whoop that trick. Like, what's Three Six Mafia doing? I'm sure they'll take some NXT money. Hell yeah, they will. Get them there. <laughs> Where's Juicy J? <laughs> didn't didn't they do Mark Henry's song and play it live with them? Yes. <laughs> dude, yeah, dude, call call their ass up. Somebody got to get the ass kicked. In the immortal anyway. words, Juicy J. You say no to Ratchet Pussy Juicy J Kang. <laughs> God, I remember hearing Slob on my knob for the first time being like, whoa, what is this? <laughs> is um, for, for for people outside of the South and maybe have not listened to a ton of Three Six Mafia, go listen to some fucking Three Six Mafia today. <laughs> yeah, based on your age, because that would probably be a little bit younger if you haven't heard of them. Um, it's probably better than a majority of the shit you're listening to. Trust me. Anyways, why don't we uh, continue on? We got the tag match for the titles. The champions, uh, fucking Tony D'Angelo and uh, Mr. Uh, Stax uh, ended up beating the Cree brothers, Angel Garza and Herberto Carrillo and OTM, which is Bronco Nima and Lucen Price with scripts in the corner uh, by pinfall. This match was 12 minutes. I, I don't, it, I can't remember any like huge things that happened to it, but it was a, it was a solid tag match and the right people went over. Cause if anyone besides maybe the Creed brothers were to have win, especially since stacks and Tony just got those titles, I would have been, I don't know, kind of annoyed, I guess. Yeah, I'm in the same boat because they spent like three months doing that Tony D'Angelo storyline where he was in prison or whatever. So I would have been really mad if they did all that and then just like they immediately lost the lost the titles. Uh, This was just a fine TV match. There wasn't anything special about it, per se. And there wasn't anything like there wasn't any crazy botches or anything. It was just kind of a, a good. Here's the middle match to set up the next big match or whatever which you need that on wrestling shows. You can't all go out there and wrestle 30 minutes, AEW. Yep. I agree with you. 
so I like the the British rounds uh, for the Heritage Cup. It's an interesting concept. I guess it does remind me a bit of the Pure Championship um, for uh, Ring of Honor. And I believe Impact had one that was also something where they did rounds and whatnot. But uh, Tyler Bate, Noam Dar, they've had a million matches, especially over in the UK. Had a good match, uh, and Noam Dar won. If I don't, if I'm not mistaken, it was from some tomfoolery because he's got like five fucking people over there, and Butch only had Tyler Bate. It was cool seeing, um, uh, uh. Man, what what's uh what's Butch's uh, tag team partner that's in the Brawling Brutes? I I forget his name every fuck time we talk about him. Oh, but he showed up, and that was cool. The three of them together. Yeah, now I'm blinking on the name. We're not doing good with names today, bud. No, no, not at all. This is just showing that we're <laughs> in our late thirties. It's great. Brain is totally going deteriorating to shit. It, all, it also do? shows that we, we, we don't rely on the Google machines when we do this show. <laughs> no, I will not. I will not succumb, succumb to this unless I have to. But, um, yeah, that, that big guy, uh, Ridge Holland. There you go. My brain finally figured it out. This is two weeks in a row we blanked on poor Ridge Holland's name. Last week, I just remembered that he used to play rugby. So... <laughs> Well, they, well, he does look like a fucking young Brock Lesnar, so I, I think he's okay. I think he's fine. He has a match. Um, well, I mean, I guess we'll talk about it too. But he's got a match on Tuesday as well. Um, but yeah, like, and I was kind of, was, I thought this was a good match. Um, I don't, I don't know really what to do with Pete Dunne as Butch. I think that's my biggest. Uh, Biggest problem. I think he's like too good to be in the role Butch. that he is. Yeah. Yeah. Too big if, to Butch. <laughs> if if Rich Holland is not a weird name, but Pete Dunn is. Like Pete Dunn sounds like a badass British guy that you wouldn't want to fuck with. Like Dunn, like he's done with your ass. You know, so I don't know how that didn't translate to the main roster, but I I mean he's he's basically acting more like Pete Dunn than Butch. Um, still pushing a lot, which is got to be cool if you're in a mosh pit. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I would love him to be like, I'm not Butch. My name is Pete Dunn. You know, kind of just take control of that. C- could you see possibly Tyler Bate getting stuck or not stuck, but like put with with uh, the the brawling brutes? Hmm, maybe. I mean, hopefully the brawling brutes are going to be done because Sheamus is kind of like at the twilight of his career as far as stuff he wants to do. And I'm not saying that, like, you know, I like listen Sheamus out, but yeah, maybe I could see that. I could see them doing that, but I just don't know that that's what I would do. Yeah, me either. All right. Well, uh, that was fun. Yeah, Noam Dar ended up getting the win on that. Uh, all right. I think this next one's definitely my favorite match, but the two matches that were last are both awesome. But the NXT uh, Men's World Championship, we had the champion, Carmelo Hayes, coming in to go against Ilya Dragunov. Jesus, 
Christ, both these guys, especially like Ilya, is so snug. These guys beat the living hell out of each other in this. And I'm a big fan of both of them. I thought and was very happy to find out that Ilya Dragunov would win because I wanted him to. And um, I don't know. I just I, I think this guy's one of the best right now. He's one of my favorite wrestlers to watch. Like I knew when he first showed up in NXT UK, I knew he was going to be something. Then he had the matches with Gunther. Then he came to NXT and he's been killing it. Uh, he's another guy that I think is going to be really great um, once he gets onto the main roster. Uh, I just think that he's got the total package uh, of just, and he's so different. Like I was, I was talking to uh, to Mike O'Rourke at work, um, a hoax of a guy, he's a crazy dude, uh, and. He like I was like like you know usually with wrestlers if if you compare other wrestlers or you talk about the ones that inspired them or whatever or who they remind you of they're gonna be similar probably in aspects and I'm like Ilya Ilya Dragunov certain things remind me of Babyface Nikita Koloff obviously certain things like his intensity uh, in the ring reminds me of a Benoit uh, his catches catch can kind of reminds me more of like Regal. His uh his style, he looks like an Adonis style wrestler, like a Buddy Rogers, and then he's got this this weird like I don't know un- like uh outworldliness to him, like this intensity that he performs on, and that kind of still I know it, the only person I could say is is Ultimate Warrior, um but it's like he's so different still he's so. I just I, I I really like him and I'm I'm hoping that like we said maybe Royal Rumble he heads on up or even if you want to do title for title if Ilya holds the NXT title all the way through Intercontinental title champion fucking Gunther for the one title that he didn't get or beforehand you know he doesn't have the world title but he never got the NXT championship against Ilya. And then Ilya goes over with both championship belts or something like that. I just love also the interaction. And like I keep on hinting at, we'll talk about it. But I just keep on, I I think the interaction with the main roster is really helping NXT out, obviously. Yeah. And and when you think about it in the big, the grand scheme of things that Raw and uh, NXT has not landed a contract yet, I'm. I'm starting to think that NXT is no longer going to be just a straight developmental show. Um, especially with what they've been doing recently. But all the stuff you said about Ilya, I agree with. I immediately draw comparisons to like Benoit and maybe early Owen Hart uh, when I think about him. So, um, But like you said, he does kind of have like the look um, of like an 80s wrestler to some, to some extent, like a Buddy Rogers or whatever. Uh, this was an incredible match. I really, really enjoyed it. Easily the match of the night for NXT. And that if they fuck him up on the main roster, <laughs> I'm going to be so pissed off because he's fucking, he's like ready built. Same thing as Braun Breaker. There's like two guys. Well, three, I guess I would also say Carmelo is probably ready to go to the main roster as well. But they definitely have three cats right there that are fucking like they've been trying to build new stars. Those are new stars. Just give them give them the nudge and let them do shit. Yeah, it always makes me happy that Hunter's more involved with 
those aspects uh, nowadays than uh, Vince, who I don't think got most of the wrestlers that Triple H handed him. So I'm sure they're going to end up not being a big drastic name change or fucking character change like they tried to do to L.A. Knight. Yeah, remember that. Um, Max Dupree, remember that concept. Because now that guy's about to a fucking team tonight with John Cena. So, what does Vince know sometimes? Well, that is a guy that I think Vince actually likes once they started giving him the mic, which is weird. You know what I mean? Like, was Vince unaware? (laughs) Because, I mean, they saddled this guy with the Rene Dupree gimmick. (laughs) Even just basically called him Max Dupree. Uh, That's baffling. Um I, so I've been having conversations with people recently. I, I'm not going to go on a huge tangent about this. Of they gave up on NXT when they did that brand shift in the Nickelodeon stuff, and I'm like, you should give it a rewatch, man. It's gotten really good. It's like the same conversation I have with people about Impact that are kind of like lapsed fans. I was like, dude, Impact's been really good. You should check it out. Um, I feel that way about NXT, and it, it show the ratings obviously show that it's doing like doing a lot better than it was during the nickel. What I would like to refer as the NXT Nickelodeon period, but I, I just want to give a little bit of flowers to HBK down there. Like he's, oh, he's got something there. He's and obviously getting some main roster talent doesn't hurt, but uh, that's been a very well put together show, and they just came out of this heritage tournament and i'm assuming when cody shows up on tuesday for his big announcement it's going to be the dusty roads tournament or the dusty roads classic or whatever they call it uh they have some they have some unique stuff going on there and it's it's been a really good show past like i would say the past at least the past three months i will say i thought the same thing with with uh cody announcing the dusty roads uh tag tournament i kind of hope chris that he clarifies that him and someone else, maybe it'll be Jay based on whatever happens tonight, are going to be in that tournament uh, and have Cody Rhodes on NXT like every other week for a little while. Um, I Before, I, I would never think of them doing that, one of their top guys. But now we're at a time we're about to talk about, you know, Becky Lynch, the champion, going against Tiffany Stratton in a fucking street fight. Wouldn't it be absolutely amazing if the announcement is like, hey, we're going to do this Dusty Reds tournament, and also here's my tag partner, and fucking Goldust walks out? <laughs> See, I didn't think you were going with Goldust, um, just because there's a guy that's about to stand, or that's was suggested by Cody. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I would love that. Um, I want Dustin, he's kind of someone I talked about, would love for him to come back to WWE at some point to finish up his career if he wants to. But yeah, that would be fucking amazing. But I could see that scenario in it being possibly uh, Brian Tillman Jr. That would be great. Um, if they like, I, that would be a great introduction for Brian Pillman Jr. And a great guy to work with. I think him and Cody would be able to have some good tag matches there. Um, Stephen Mill? Question mark. I'd love that as well, man. That would probably help them out with heels a bit yeah, I mean, when it comes to a new been, network. It's not like he's going to get any future acting jobs in the, <laughs> in the near like year or so after he he pissed off the Actors Guild. So, 
Yeah. Well, uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure he wasn't trying to piss him off too much. He probably was more on the line of like, hey, my show might get canceled, so I don't have time for any of this bullshit would be my <laughs> my guess of how that – I know that interview did not look good for him. But like, look, he's he's the fucking Green Arrow. I love Stephen Amell, so I don't even care. <laughs> he can always yeah. go. <laughs> That's a whole situation that I'm sure is very, very political. And yeah, it wasn't, wasn't too good of a look, but – it would be cool for him to show up on the, uh, you know, the, the wrestling show, because I do like me some Stephen Amell, like you said. Oliver Queen. Oliver Queen. Yeah, uh, it was definitely not a good look for him to look at all of the other actors and be like, you failed the city, <laughs> which is essentially what it did. Um, uh, no, but I mean, I think like uh, it would make a lot of sense for him to pop back in wrestling in the near vicinity. And he has done some stuff for WWE recently with that Cody documentary. He was the narrator. And uh, if you're trying to get your show back on a platform, you know, that NBC special and having Peacock in the back pocket is not necessarily the worst thing, though. Peacock did is like in the negative a billion dollars right now for all of the shit that they bought up to start that streaming service. Holy shit. Well, yeah, I guess they're going to get their shit together. I'm trying to think of, like, another platform. Hulu's a good platform because they have something like The Bear, which is very different but similar in concept. You know, a town, well, one being Chicago, but with one has a restaurant, but, like, all the stress that goes into trying to run it as a family and all the family problems. And then you got this one that's in the south that's obviously – Southern town. It's 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 Friday Night Lights basically, but in a wrestling town. But Hulu's got a lot of good stuff, is what I'm saying on it. So maybe that could be a possibility for a future place. Yeah, I, I mean, I hope the show doesn't die, and uh, I would I assume that we're going to see Stephen Amell in the near vicinity. Maybe he enters the Royal Rumble like Bad Bunny style or something. Like I, I could see something like that. Um, he would be a great tag partner for Cody. If that's the major announcement, the other one, like you said, is Brian Pillman jr. I think that's actually perfect for Brian Pillman jr. Especially if they go on to win the thing. Uh, Cause he's going to get the rub from Cody and uh, he, Cody would be a great tag partner. And Brian Pillman Jr. has mostly been wrestling tag matches when he was in AEW, so it would, he's not going to look like a fish out of water or anything. Absolutely. And that's the thing. It's like, you know, we've been t- hearing about Ricky Starks and how he's a possibility of going over to the WWE once his contract's out. Uh, I forgot who was talking about it, but I feel like, yeah, it, Cody is going to suggest wrestlers that he's worked with or he's helped train or he's you know, and Pillman was one of those people. Jay Cargill was one of those people. And now to find out that he did actually have something to do with that, um, you know, it just makes sense. Same thing if, if Brock Anderson ends up in NXT in the next, like, year or so. Um, I'm going to assume that Cody might have something to do with that. So um, just, I guess I guess there's Cody guys. Is, 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 that, is that now a term we could use? I'm a Cody guy. <laughs> Cody guy. Uh, so this thing about Ricky Starks, I wanna, we we're going to talk about this for just a second. Why does everyone think that he wants to leave AEW? Like he lost to CM Punk. I get that. Like, and, and he has had some, and he lost to MJF, but at the same time, he's been in the main event picture pretty heavily. 
and they let him talk on the mic and do vignettes. And so it's not like this guy has been like what I would call buried or anything. And he's not someone that would prototypically fit on a raw or SmackDown roster. So they would just shovel him onto NXT for forever. Like, I just don't see like him going to, he's not a guy to, uh, I mean, I think it would, could potentially be good for him, but it could also be like the worst like thing that he could potentially do. Cause like, he he's like smaller than Adam Cole, you know what I mean, and and like uh, Johnny Gargano. So like even if you're like great in the ring and you can cut a promo or whatever, that doesn't necessarily equate to WWE life. I mean maybe, but but like once again, and I know that he's hoovering in and out there, but they're slowly phasing Vince out. I think Hunter doesn't mind that body type as much, and I think the main reason. And outside the fact that, yeah, he can keep up with people on the mic. And I think that's more important a lot of times with WWE sometimes than uh, AEW. Like, AEW obviously has their 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 mic guys. But I don't know, the, the fucking whole entire flow of the beginning of the shows and people, you know, it's it's he seems tailor made in that aspect, at least for the promo stuff. Uh, and I, I think it's also because he's quote-unquote, a Cody guy. Cody kind of helped partially train him towards the end, and uh, Cody pushed for him a lot within uh, AEW. I think he's he's the one who suggested him to begin with. Um, so I don't I don't know if it's, it's so much that he's not happy in AEW. It's just that a lot of people think that, you know, he could do really well and be one of those people like a Jay Cargill uh, suggested by Cody on WWE television. But I'm assuming he would go to NXT at first. I don't know. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, and I mean, maybe NXT is just going to... It seems like they're... Like, with the TV deal coming up and the way that they've been booking NXT recently and pushing main roster people there, like I said, I don't necessarily know that... I mean, they're obviously going to have developmental talent there. But they're trying to make that like an actual legitimate brand wrestling show again uh where it could kind of be its own thing and sold as its own thing and hopefully draw like over a million viewers each week that's what it seems like that they're going for and knowing the guy behind like that is booking it hbk <laughs> you know that he wants to bust raw and smackdown's ass <laughs> honestly like as far as a wrestling show so yeah i mean ricky starks would fit in there i'm just trying to like my my only worry about if he would if he goes to WWE, um, him ending up in this situation that we have like Gargano and and Champa in, you know what I mean? Both great wrestlers, uh, are very talented on the mic when given the time, but WWE is always as far as like the heavyweight, the top title contenders. Like Seth Rollins is not like a massive dude, but like if you put him next to Ricky Starks, he looks like a fucking giant. Um, so that, I mean, that's the only problem there, I think. And also like, you know, AEW's invested a lot in him and, and I, I don't know that they necessarily would be the best move for Ricky Starks. Um, but yeah, like I, I wouldn't have a problem with it. It's just like, I, when I think about that main roster and the top guys, I, I can't ever see him getting there. Whereas I could see him getting to the top in AEW. At some point, like I could see him being a champion at some point. 
uh, in AEW, and I, I don't know that there would necessarily be the same career path in, in WWE. It's just the nature of what WWE is and, and the kind of wrestlers they like. And Triple H is also a size guy as well, even though he is booked around that. But we've seen it in this main like title picture since he's been running it. It's not like he's got, you know, Johnny Gargano as champion or anything. So it's just one of those things. Um, yeah, no, I mean, the thing is, I agree with you. And I think that that is definitely a path. He stays in AEW. He gets a world title based on what we've seen from him. Uh, or he goes, or, you know, he goes to WWE and doesn't do well is, is kind of lost in the mix. But I also think there is a chance he stays in AEW. They keep him where he's at. He keeps on getting the TNT title. He's kind of hot and cold at certain times, and he doesn't really ever get that top pivotal spot where he goes to WWE, and because he's good on the mic, um, I, I I think he would be built to be out there with LA Knight. I know that his size is different, but I you know a, any of those great talkers, I think that Ricky could really help. And like I say, keep on saying, seems to have a little bit of say-so, and I don't think, even though Hunter's a big dude, you know, based on... It, the thing with Chomp, he's trying right now with Chompa and Johnny Gargano, and I think that he gave him even a reintroduction that I don't know if I agree with necessarily exactly uh, for DIY, um, but they were already fucking shit because of Vince, and the, the audience didn't care about them as much, but I, you know, he, he still... Adam Cole is a good example of that. You know, it he still picks smaller dudes, Finn Balor, for instance. So I don't think that that's going to be as much of a problem. Yeah, it would be interesting to see. But I mean, like, I just don't under like I, I still don't understand why people think that Ricky Starks would want to jump ship other than he has a relationship with Cody because he just wrestled Punk and Brian Danielson in big like big matches <laughs> like granted he didn't win those matches but like he was just in a feud with brian danielson and ricky the dragon steamboat like i i would get it if the guy was getting misused but i don't really feel like ricky starks is getting misused like uh and obviously there was I, more to punk storyline that we d- we were not going to get the payoff on because punk got fired so um I don't know, man. I, I I see him as a star in AEW. If anyone should be like looking at maybe brighter, like pat greener pastures, I would. <laughs> in kind of pushed in the same way would be like Darby Allen. <laughs> Honestly, like dude loses like every fucking match. Also friends with Cody in as a Gabe Sapolsky guy could walk into WWE and be a fucking massive star. I, I mean, yeah, like, I, I, I completely disagree with you on that. I don't think Darby would would float well there, and I think he is a definitely an AEW lifer. He's already said it many times. I'm not saying money wouldn't change his minor direction, but he's even smaller. So, and not only that, but like Ricky Starks also, like you said, he lost to CM Punk, he lost to Brian Danielson, and he lost to MJF. So even though they keep him high profile, it's not like he ever gets over. Oh, I, I think that that strap match got him over with Brian Danielson, but I, I don't know. I, yeah, but he, not on a win. It didn't get him to a certain level. It's like having a feud with Chris Jericho. You know, you're going to lose most of the damn time. 
Well, yeah, well, like, if he walks in, he's not going to beat Roman, <laughs> like, out of the gate. You know what I mean? Like, at least you're in the match. What I'm I mean, getting this... at, there's a lot more atrocities in booking in AEW than the booking of Ricky Starks. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely. Um, speaking about atrocities, let's talk about Tiffany Stratton's side of her head with this last match. Jeez, these ladies beat the living hell out of each other. 20 minutes to tear it up. Becky Lynch, Tiffany Stratton. And I got to say, Chris, I think the biggest thing to take away from this match, Tiffany was fucking tough. She didn't win the match. Becky still has the title. And I think eventually Tiffany is going to have a third match with her and beat her finally for it, whatever that, that is. But that part where she, I'm assuming what it was, I, it couldn't have been a metal chain because that would be really fucking stupid. But the golden chain, I'm sure it was like spray painted plastic or whatever it was. But it was hard enough where Becky didn't mean it. I think she went to hit her in the side and part of it swung over and nailed her on the side of the head when they were fighting in the stairs. And so we, we got color. It's like Kevin Owens at the thing, even though they try to wipe it off, which is so stupid. I got to say that it was still funny that the audience, I guess, thought they were at an AEW show because when she brought out that bag of stuff, I was like, that's going to be Legos. I didn't think about Barbies. That was kind of funny because obviously Tiffany Stratton looks like a fucking Barbie doll. Um, but <laughs> I love how everyone was excited like it was going to be thumbtacks. And then she poured it out and it was like, oh, it's like, what the fuck? What did you expect? They're not doing thumbtacks on NXT. I'm sorry. They don't do that in WWE. Um, but, uh, yeah, this, this is a fun fucking match. Brutal as hell. Becky Lynch ended up winning. Uh, and I felt bad for both their bodies, especially Tiffany's, uh, afterwards. This is, like, a great, like, when you talk about someone getting elevated in a feud, like, Becky just made Tiffany Stratton for me. And I like Tiffany Stratton to begin with. And I love the Barbie spot because she's daddy's girl. Um, or was, they kind of dropped that gimmick, but it's like that. I thought that was really clever. They had one hell of a match. Probably. I wouldn't say the best, best match, but, um, up there. It was, it was a great match. Becky is amazing for that NXT roster. Yeah. She's pretty awesome, man. Uh, it's fun for her to be there. It's kind of like, you know, well, it's not like Finn, actually, because – or like Dolph, actually, because Dolph – well, Dolph wasn't in NXT. I'm trying to give an example. Becky never won the NXT belt, so it was cool for her to have a chapter where she gets to season some of these girls and have that title finally at the same time. Even though, yeah, she's had the SmackDown, she's had the Raw Women's Championship. I don't know. It just – she was she was fucking doing an Irish jig and dancing and shit, uh, like a river dancer. When she was in NXT, and now she's the man. So another uh, another the cap, right, Chris? Yeah, yeah. And I think it was great to see her win that title. She was one of the only four horsewomen, or she is the only four horsewoman to not win that belt, which is, sounds crazy because they had so many great matches. And she was uh, such a big part of that women's revolution coming from NXT to the main roster that, it, it it was actually surprising when they said that like she had never won the NXT title because in my mind she was an NXT champion. <laughs> like it was one of those things. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's cool and like 
I, I think that she elevated Tiffany Stratton a lot. And I think Tiffany Stratton, uh, obviously there's some still some in-ring work to clean up a little bit there, but like, that's going to be a big star for them in the future. And uh, this was, I mean, really good match. Cool, cool little feud. Uh, I feel like Jade Cargill and Becky is kind of set. I think that's where they're going with that. Like I, like I predicted uh, last week. Dude, she is athletic as hell. She's out there pulling off the greatest moonsault ever. I forgot what she calls it, but, you know, Christopher Daniels shit. And then doing Muda stuff, like, you know, she did the uh, Muda spot into the corner, but to Becky over in the guardrail. Um, yeah, if she tweaks some stuff and gets better at the mat wrestling and transitions, she's athletic as hell, and she is someone that you want to see her get her, her, her face punched in. That doesn't sound good that I said that. By another woman, because she's bitchy. There you go. I want to fucking get canceled and then fucking bullshit. I mean, you can't get canceled for just fucking saying you want to see an, an, another lady punch another lady's face in, right? <laughs> Can you? I, I think it's... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I mean, cause like, when I watch Amanda Nunez's fights... <laughs> I want to see her punch other people's face in. I don't know. Uh, no, I mean, all joking aside, I mean, she is a, she, it's a, it's a good chance. It's a good launching path and a perfect person for her to work with coming directly in. So it just makes a lot of sense, but yeah, she is like a freak. She's always, she, I mean, she's always been a freak athlete. It's like, can we clean this up? And I think it it's going to work in her favor being in WWE. Yeah, absolutely. I tend to completely agree with you. Um, all right, I'm trying to find. So now that we're done with the the NXT pay per view, we should definitely talk about the Tuesday Night War of uh, next week. I'm trying to find the exact specifics that NXT has for that night. I know that the big drawing. I mean, if you watch the previews, they got some big net matches announced, but we're going to see Becky on it. Cody's making an announcement. We talked about that. We have John Cena in the corner of Carmelo Hayes against Braun Breaker with Paul Heyman in his corner that Roman Reigns sanctioned. So what does that exactly mean? You know, telling Paul to go look at this Braun Breaker kid or something like that. Um, Becky's going to be there. I, she might have a match, actually, with the Women's Championship. So it's a stacked card wonder why that's happening so is it like, baseball or is probably it getting, we're probably getting a dom and Rhea too right yes yes that's right i forgot so but no is it um what what, what the hell was i gonna say like uh no it doesn't matter i already i lost my thought um but yeah, so it's it's big. We oh yeah, is it is it, is it baseball is the reason why they had to move uh, from their show on TBS AEW. That would make sense. I know the Braves are playing Monday night against the Dodgers, so the next game would be there'd be one day off for the travel because uh, the first series is a five game series. So yeah, that would make that would make sense. I don't know that the Braves are going to be on TBS, but the the way the playoffs the playoffs start today. So then you have one day and then there'll be another game Monday and then there'd be another game Wednesday. So that would be, yeah, that would be my best guess on why 
uh, AEW got shifted to Tuesday? Well, you know, because of that, um, we had to do some shifting for AEW, like he said, and that shifting is going head to head with NXT. And they also have a pretty big card. I mean, they're doing Swerve Strickland against Brian Danielson. That's going to be an awesome match. Is that four specifically anything? Number one contenders match for the TNT ch- uh, title. You got Jay White going against Hangman Adam Page for the first time. Moxley is going for his rematch, probably to get the belt back from Ray Phoenix with the international title. Adam Copeland is in the ring for the first time against Luchasaurus. Powerhouse Hobbs is going against Chris Jericho. And then Soraya is going against Hikuru Shida for the women's championship. So like I said, Chris, these are two packed shows. Uh, you know me. If we're doing, if we're going back to how it was like during the pandemic when it was uh, Wednesday Night Wars and shit like that, I'm going to have them on both televisions like a crazy man. Yeah, I mean, I think both shows should be great, too. So I might have to do the uh, I might have to double up myself on Tuesday because I think there's going to be. Just some good shit in with how fast media travels, I don't want to kind of I kind of don't want to get anything spoiled for me. <laughs> there you go, man. Um, so here's the real question. I, I mean, I know we're going to get into the like the, the actual previews here, but like. Edge is just going to have a straight Undertaker Edge match with Luchasaurus, right? I, I would assume that's going to be great. Like that was not a negative thing. I just mean like if I was Edge going into that, I'd be like, you remember all those good matches I had with Taker? We just we're just going to do that. I would I would assume that the match will have some things from there. Looks like sounds like we're having some issues. Oh no! Oh, I can still hear you, Chris. Are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Okay, yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. I could hear you the, the entire time, so sorry about that. Oh, I think I lost you again. Yep, I can hear you again. Okay. Yeah, so I'm not sure. I, I was basically just saying, like, uh, Taker ver- like the Taker Edge matches would be a good platform for him to build off of for this Lucha mat- Luchasaurus match. Well, actually, you just said one more thing. So last night, like I said, we had a trailer, uh, or not really a trailer, a preview for NXT. And they went over all the people that they had onto it. And at first, it took me off guard because I thought, maybe it's for the next commercial. And then they showed it again, and I was like, because it didn't make any sense. But then the then it goes black, and then a couple seconds go by, and you hear the Undertaker's gong. What the fuck does that mean, Chris? Is the Undertaker going to be at NXT? I know that he's been more frequent going by the Performance Center and, and talking and working with some of the talent now that he's been retired. Um, maybe the announcement is he's going to be at the performance center. Maybe he's going to talk to a specific talent. Uh, I don't, I don't know. It's, uh, <laughs> it's triple H like, Hey Mark. Yeah. We, we want to, we, we really want to take it to him. So could you, uh, could you possibly be at this thing? Like what the fuck? Can we, can we just get dead man on commentary? <laughs> Are we going to have dead man or Mark Holloway? Like, yeah, guys, I'm happy to be here, you know, and uh, going back tomorrow to Texas and I'll be fishing all day. 
maybe he's going to enter the Dusty Rhodes Classic with uh, AJ Styles as a tag partner. There you go. <laughs> he at least gives AJ something to do. Uh, and we get to hear them both be super Southern. Um, I have no idea what they're going to do with Taker because they don't really have like a big, like a, a big Taker guy there right now. Like the only person I could think of, but this would work more for Raw, even though he's probably going to be there, or maybe because of the involvement. Maybe Undertaker approaches Damian Priest in the back. And is like, what the hell are you doing? Like, why are you got with these pack of dogs? They don't listen to you. You know, I, I, I was here just like a man that you looked up to and admired Scott Hall, trying to mold you and help you when you first came to NXT. And, you know, you're taking orders from Rhea, like snap the hell out of it. They could do something like that. I don't think they will, but I have no idea other than that, why the hell he would be there. Yeah, I mean that almost sounded like he's he's going to be on Raw in NXT, right? Like I know he's not announced for Raw, but you would assume that they're maybe setting up something for Rumble and Mania. Like he's going to do a comeback. Who knows? I mean, I I didn't believe that was his last time because of the fact that you know, even though I thought it was really cool and innovative, it wasn't exactly a last match for Taker. So possibly. I mean, we're, so far we have nothing for Kevin Owens to do, so maybe maybe he's going to go the Stone Cold route and just have a brawl with KO. <laughs> Take, like, no bumps. <laughs> Run him over yeah, with a and cycle or something. <laughs> get him over the head with an actual grave, like a fucking stone one. Uh, yeah, I could, I, I could see that. Or maybe he's going to call Shawn Michaels out, and they're going to set up Shawn Michaels Undertaker 3 at WrestleMania. <laughs> Or the, the NXT show, the TakeOver before Mania, that would be incredible if they're going to do that. I, I would be down for that. I, I feel like Taker and Sean could still have a good match. Hell yeah, they could. They could do that shit in their sleep. That's like how I said, in, I don't think the same level of in-ring work, but like, if they had a, it, it, you know, everyone wants The Rock and Roman Reigns. If they had The Rock and Austin again, and they just brawled and did all their greatest hits, I don't think they could fuck that up. Um, they obviously have chemistry. If you gave The Undertaker and Shawn Michaels a chance again, no, it's not going to be as good as two of two of the best WrestleMania matches arguably ever. Definitely one of them. Uh, but it's still going to be a, better than a lot of wrestlers that are way younger than them in the ring. Yeah, and you have all of that past to build off of as well. Like, I mean, and, and Shawn's just going to sell his ass off. Like, they don't actually have to do that much. It's mostly just going to be Sean getting his ass kicked, right? So, if you were like, yeah, smoking you think HBK could get in the ring and sell? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes, I, I think that he, he showed us that when he did that Saudi show, and pretty much everyone got injured except for him. So, I think that uh, wow. he would be all right. Maybe maybe that's the yeah, whole Sean thing. Sean would fucking with a paper bag. It is. It's terrible that that is Sean's last match. So if they were going to do something like that, I would actually be super happy about it because, like, I hate that that was Shawn Michaels' last match. And I, I also feel, in a way, you know, if we're being serious about it, that I would love an actual last match for Undertaker. Like, no, like I said, no offense to the AJ Styles match, um, but it wasn't a real match. It really wasn't. You know. 
It was a it movie. Was for, it was great for what it was, and it was also during the pandemic era, so I'm going to give it a pass. I'm sure that's not necessarily what Taker wanted either, or AJ Styles yeah. wanted, but that was kind of the hand that they were dealt. So, uh, I don't know. Sean versus Taker is like, man. Like, the con- like the idea of that in my head, I'm like, they can still have a good match. Like, I, like I, you know what I mean? There's enough. Those guys are so good that they'll they'll figure they could figure out a way to have like a really great match. Yeah. And get through all their limitations and whatnot, for sure. Um, oh, this just in. I just saw a note. Uh, it looks like NXT is getting moved to Wembley Stadium next week. The hell? <laughs> fucking fuck me, bro. They announced it. <laughs> Sorry. I can only. You can only think of Will Ospreay now when I hear Wembley. <laughs> Fuck me, bro. Oh, man, that's shit. Poor bastards. Uh, I never thought I would get a tattoo, bro. I get one. This bullshit happens. This he motherfucking so- doesn't even talk to me because of it. <laughs> My mom hates tattoos, bro. <laughs> Is great. Oh, yes, if not if for fans out there that don't know what we're talking about, look up Will Osprey tattoo on YouTube. Uh, he got like a big moment tattoo for Wembley and put the attendance on it, but then the attendance changed like the very next day. <laughs> so, I mean, I love Will, but did he not watch WrestleMania like three? I know that he was probably not born for a while after that, but I mean, he's a wrestling fan. Did you not know that? promotions kind of fudge the numbers a bit well i think that he thought this one was going to be like very honest because the entire thing was like tony khan was trying to break an attendance record guinness book like record for live attendance or whatever um and that's part of the reason like he only did paid or like in building attendance because he knew he was not going to beat the north korea number because like jesus christ do that yeah, no one's going to do that because you're – It's well, I mean, I guess you could if you went back to Korea and they forced everyone or to if you, show. If you forced, If you forced a majority of the audience members to get in the arena because they had no choice but to watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, but that was like part of the reason why it was announced the way it was. and, and that, So, I mean, he probably thought that was like the legitimate number. Um, yeah. Whatever. I love that he was just like – he just didn't give a shit. It was just really funny, his reaction to it. I was like, dude, Will Ospreay's great. Love him. <laughs> He's, he is great. He's hilarious, too. Yeah, I want to see more of that character. I know that he's doing like um, um, the badass thing, but I want to see more of that when he does show up in AEW, because he is legitimately funny. He really is. Um, So that wasn't the only pay-per-view. But this is going to be a while. But AEW also had one Sunday night. We previewed it on the last show. Let's go over it. And this is for... Oh, where are we? Wrestle Dream! Wrestle Dream was in Seattle, Washington. If you didn't know, you'll find out. Swerve is from there. Um, Also Brian Danielson. And this was at the Climate Pledge Arena. We had a big old show. And lots of storylines, lots of stuff going into this. I liked a lot on here. I was annoyed by certain aspects, but I think that's, you know, a majority of any wrestling show, really. But I didn't 
did you watch much of the uh, pre-show, Chris? Because the only thing I caught, because I didn't know there was more than that, um, I caught, oh no, I caught Josh Barnett and Claudio. I guess I watched Luchasaurus and Nick Wayne. I don't remember it that well. But I definitely watched the Acclaim and Billy Gunn go against the uh, TMDK. And like we thought, they beat them. But uh, Claudio and Josh Barnett had a pretty damn cool match. Uh, wish that was more actual fleshed out. And we got some stuff by both guys and not just thrown together. That would be actually a fun storyline between those two dudes. Yeah, which is Barnett just randomly show up and they're like, hey, bud, you want to have a match? Like, because that was not announced beforehand. Like, nope. Because we did, we definitely did not go over it in the predictions. Um, yeah, I thought it was a fun little pre show. The Luchasaurus, uh, you know, Nick, Nick Wayne match was an angle mostly because it just set up, you know, Nick Wayne doing the, the heel turn uh, later on in the night. Spoiler alert, I guess, if you haven't seen the pay per view, but. Um, yeah, I mean, like the, the the standout of the pre-show was the Claudio Barnett match, which I think is like really kind of awesome because like not a lot of people talk about blood sport, and I think it's kind of a unique little niche thing um, that's great in wrestling. Kind of reminds me of Pride a little bit. Um, Let me ask you, would you like to see Claudio show up on Bloodsport? Oh hell yeah, dude! <laughs> like, that would be awesome. <laughs> Uh, yes, yes, I would. Uh, yeah, um, that was, that was pretty awesome and kind of like we said, unexpected, but a good pre-show. Uh, let's talk about the first match because I have issues with it. And I think if you saw me in the comments section on Tom Clark's show yesterday, Chris, I made mention of what I had a problem with. I just, you're like we were saying, like, you know, they can't. Even if he beats them, it can't just be him just beating them because, for one, MJF isn't, like, like that big of a badass. Usually he has to resort to heel tactics, but people like him because he's our scumbag. Um, I, and you have so many vignettes building up Dutch and Vince with this group. I don't think this was – it's kind of dead or on arrivals them to me. And I've complained in the past. I think AEW kind of does this sometimes where – you set up a guy, and then right off the back, they lose. And Or if it's not right off the back, soon after that, they have a big match and get squashed or something, and then they kind of lose their flavor. But who knows? We'll see where the righteous goes from this. They might be more involved right now, I'm assuming. Um, maybe, the, maybe the main reason they were bringing up and putting the vignettes because they were just going against MJF by himself. I don't know. But maybe they're going to be on Ring of Honor. I just like them. And I told you, you know, you got this crazy guy that talks about his God and how he's trying to be the redeemer for him. And then you got, like I said, Jim Jones and fucking Charles Manson in a group. Maybe, uh, I mean, I guess it would turn him in a heel. But why don't we make why don't we make uh, Miro the head of this this group, this cult group, and let him just go full wherever the fuck he wants to go with it. But uh, yeah, but getting back to the thing, like I'm trying to say, they had a match. MJF did do some heelish stuff. Uh, you know, he was fighting two guys. Didn't have Adam Cole, but doing the whole spot where he's has fucking um, what the hell's his name? Dutch in the corner uh, and puts Vincent up his ass. 
you know, I I I could have. Yeah, and let me also say, since Jim Cornette likes to rip to shreds a lot of silly shit, he still put over MJF for this match, and I, I know he didn't like that spot specifically, but you would think that would be a big glaring. Why the fuck would anyone do that? I don't like the kangaroo kick either. Gotta be honest with you. I don't even know, like, I like MJF a lot, but I'm really missing heel MJF the more and more this happens. And especially now that Adam Cole's being put more with Roderick Strong, um, you know, where we watch vignettes twice. We'll get to that. Uh, but, yeah, that's that's how I felt about this. Uh, MJF won. When it, when it comes to Jim Cornette, I, I like kind of think about the company he once worked for, Cornette going Cornette, <laughs> just much like TNA going TNA, but like uh, he should have hated the hell out of this match. One, booking wise, it doesn't make any sense. Like it just really doesn't. And two, it was a comedy ass match. This is like a fucking. I mean, this was like a PWG comedy match, which he hates. So, like, the fact that he would have any kind of, like, props for that match is baffling to me. Um, I hate stuff like that. At least be consistent. You know what I mean? Like, just be like, I love MJF, but that match was stupid. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, and I'm sure he buried the Kenny match as well, which is, you know, that's the other side of that card. You just hate a guy to hate a guy at some point. But, uh, yeah, yeah, and I, I don't know. We I, I gave you what they could... There's an there was an easy out for this, which is just MJF gets disqualified right off the bat, or just doesn't show up because you retain the title via DQ. You can continue the storyline with him holding the titles until he's forced into a handicap situation that's like a the title is going to change hands via DQ. Like there there's there's tons of easy ways to do that. Like they overbooked the hell out of this and made the righteous look bad. Uh, in a big debut pay-per-view match, which I don't necessarily agree with, because I think Vincent, like specifically Vincent's really good. I do make fun of him looking like an old guy at a high school party a lot. Um, but he, hey, he's, who's got the Molly? <laughs> yeah, he's definitely. Who gets kind butt? But yeah, like. I don't know. I hated this fucking match, and uh, I, like I kind of said the same thing, and on on Tom's chat yesterday during main event which by the way check out tom clark's main events pretty good show listeners out there if you haven't listened or, or saw that but uh yeah i, I was kind of with you because like i i can't put this over because there's multiple ways to get the same result without making the righteous look bad and they went the way that made the righteous look bad so it's like why the hell did you waste all that time <laughs> building them up yeah uh, that's that's the baffling part but like I said, we'll see what happens from here. I'm just based on the past. This kind of makes me go, huh, about what's going to happen with the righteous going forward. Uh, next match we had for both the Ring of Honor World Championship uh, and the Strong Openweight Championship from New Japan. Eddie Kingston going against um, Shibata, the Pure Championship in Ring of Honor. Uh, that his titles obviously wasn't on the line because that's under pure rules, so it's a different style of match, um, what I was talking about when we were talking about the Heritage Cup. But this is one of Eddie's friends, also one of his uh, idols. He respects him, and he presented him with this offer. This is a good first match and a good win for Eddie because Shibata, I don't think, maybe once, but since he's come back, he hasn't lost many matches at all. 
I think he lost initially to uh, Ren Rita after a pretty awesome match when he first came back to put Ren over because that's like his son almost. They look exactly alike. But, um, you know, it's a big win for Eddie. And I did love the fact that they kind of talked about on commentary that – and it might have been – was this one that Moxley was? No, that, that was on Dynamite. Um, but uh, Eddie – you know, he's obviously more obsessed with the King Road style of all Japan wrestling from the 90s. Misawa, Kawada, uh, Kenta Kobashi, uh, Akira, all of those guys, like their style, which is very different from what, you know, Shibata was taught because he's taught the uh, Japanese strong style from New Japan uh, that Inoki initially invented and has been changed and altered. One's more striking, obviously. The other one's a lot of suplexing on heads. And they've kind of adapted and, and combined it into to two different types. But I liked how they kind of, I don't know, set up that style of, of talking about Eddie as, even though he loves all of, you know, Japanese wrestling, loves New Japan, he is actually more the other style fighter. And I thought that this was a fun match. This might be, I got to look at this. I know what my number one and two are. For matches, uh, and that's Swerve and Hangman, and then Brian Danielson and uh, Zack Saber. But Christian Darby was on. This is definitely not the fight of the night, but a, a good, solid fight on it. And Eddie Kingston ended up winning over his one of his idols, Chris. Bro, if you told me that Shibata would be out here having this match after that Okada headbutt, I would have said you're full of shit. Um, this is a great match. Every time Shibata shows up on one of these pay-per-views, he surprises me. I don't know what time machine that this man has gotten into or whatever hyperbolic um, Mexican, Mexico stem cell research program this man, <laughs> this man has gotten into. But he should not have been able to have this kind of match based on the injury that he had. Uh, Brian Danielson knows something we don't know apparently and has whispered it in Shibata's ear. Cause I was like, man, Shibata's getting his legs back underneath him. He's starting to do more stuff. I was like, this man's going to be like full out at G one <laughs> like in the next year or so that, I mean, that's what it felt like watching this match. Um, I thought this was an incredible match. I like the story stuff like you were talking about, which they've been doing more with Eddie Kingston, uh, including the, his new finisher, which was gifted to him by Kawada, which I think is like, that's a cool story in itself. Like I, I think I talked about that uh, with him versus Claudio. Um, but yeah, it's a great win for, you know, Eddie Kingston and a really, really good match. Surprising how good it was and how much Shibata actually did in the match. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I'm just happy. And if you look at this, it's like if Hiromu Takahashi was on this card, it would have even made it more crazy, the fact that Shibata's on this card, Brian Danielson's on this card, Christian's on this card, Edge comes back at the end. None of those guys, you know, because of modern techniques and, and, and a lot of other reasons, none of those guys should have been able to come back to wrestle, and they're all wrestling again, which is pretty fucking awesome. Uh, well, I, I don't, Sarai didn't have a match, but her as well, so... Yeah, it's insane. I, I I am pretty sure that they found that uh, hyperbolic uh, chamber gimmick from DBZ, from Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> they put you yep. in, you're about to die. <laughs> like, because all of these people are out here having these incredible matches, and they they were they're supposed to be retired. 
like they were told that they should never do this again and they're out out here having this matches and it does make me worried for their health like overall but as a wrestling fan i'm like fuck yeah dude shibata's out here having a great match that's awesome yeah absolutely so good stuff and um i'm liking the eddie kingston as his double champion he's getting called out in both places and he has like three matches set up in a row uh based off of stuff that happened last night so you know good stuff for him good good for him man he's fucking everyone loves eddie kingston right everyone does love eddie kingston eventually he's gonna have to uh, run into a man that is hungry <laughs> and always knows how to eat in Samoa Joe, since they're both on that Ring of Honor roster. Ooh, that would be awesome. That would be a fun fucking feud between the two of them. Um, another one, I'd love to see Filthy trying to get his championship back. Just gotta say. Poor fucking Filthy. He was supposed to have that match with Adam Cole, and Adam Cole was sick. Yeah. And then now Adam Cole is hurt. And I know that they those two specifically wanted to work together, but I do love the Filthy Tom gimmick on the Brian Alvarez and Filthy podcast where he just buries Adam Cole each week. Because <laughs> 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 he's constantly hurt. It's pretty good. Like, it's all in good. I mean, it's like he's obviously in character, but like, I love I would I would love to see Filthy versus uh, Kingston again, because I think they've already done that in New Japan Strong. But yeah, that I mean, that would be a good opponent. There's a lot to be said about Filthy, Filthy Tom. He's a very interesting character. I thought he was really good in the G1. Um, there's a lot they could do with that guy for sure. He is getting older, though, so they need to do it soon. I think he's like 40 now. Yeah, I always enjoy uh, seeing him in whatever he's doing, whether it be MLW, New Japan. Uh, Filthy Tom Lawler's fucking awesome. Uh, all right, so the next match... Also- that he, I also love that he just constantly puts over Kane because Kane's like his favorite wrestler. <laughs> Dude, I mean, I love Kane. Great. I knew some people like my buddy Reza. They, that was their favorite. That was their that was their their guy. But Kane's pretty awesome. Um, so women's champion? No, no, this is the TBS uh, championship. Chris Statlander, Julia Hart. Uh, this was a ten minute match. Pretty good match. You know, I, I think that there was, from what I remember, a little bit of a style clashing. Remember, I mean, Julia Hart, I think that she's put a lot into this character, and I think that she has a shit ton of potential. But she's still rather young, so she's got a lot of time to learn. She's only 21? Jesus Christ. So I kind of give a little bit of uh, reflection on the fact that she is, you know, she's coming along. And Chris Antlander's fucking awesome. She got another win. And we also had a cool stare down between Brody King and Chris Statlander that I was hoping would actually get physical, Chris. Yeah, the only negative thing I have to say about this is they did this big uh, Julia Hart push, but she's leaving. So not like leaving the company, but she's going to be gone for a couple months. She's going her and Garrison's getting married and they're going to go take a break from wrestling for a while. Oh, so, okay. Well, I mean, congrats, congrats, but it is kind of just weird timing that they <sighs> and it's just going to be off TV for like a month. Uh, I thought this was a very fun match. Yeah, and it makes sense the finish that they went with. I, I didn't think Statlander should lose anyways, but um, 
makes more sense with the finish they went with with that knowledge uh which i like found out earlier this week so yeah that's really interesting kind of strange if you ask me but you know teach their own i guess they do want to have time off they're getting married and whatnot but like in the midst of your push the beginning of it really strange timing but uh, it's it's really hard to rebook wedding events based around wrestling, though. <laughs> like rebook yeah. venue as someone that had a pretty big wedding, that's like a nightmare. You're like, dude, the push is gonna have to wait. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's definitely a good point. <laughs> so I mean, maybe I, I, they, there was no timeline given on that. I do know that she is probably not gonna be at the next two dynamites. That was kind of oh, what I okay. got out of that. Um, thing but you, you you just kind of expected there would be an immediate follow-up so if you're looking for that on the show don't expect it listeners out there because uh they're getting married so and uh for you know garrison got murdered so <laughs> there's, there's that jesus that was i guess that was punishment for getting mar- married <laughs> you jerk his his future wife is getting this huge push and Julia Hart and Brian is getting introduced on uh, NXT as a big star. There's like little vignettes and shit. And uh, yeah, he gets murdered by Wardlow. Um, but what are you going to do? That felt what like you- they, they, that match felt super rushed because of the TBS. I mean, I don't, we might as well talk about it right now. So, AEW had a vignette with Adam Cole and Roderick Strong. And one, it was goofy in general to begin with. Um, so it was probably better that I saw it without sound the first time. But there was just no sound. So they showed this in, this entire thing. They get on the phone with TBS. They do an overrun for the show, which was not expected. Uh, and then they just re-show the segment. And they send Wardlow out there. And like that match was one of the fastest matches I've seen in AEW history. <laughs> Like he in the first power bomb that he gave uh Garrison was brutal. Like, uh so it just felt really rust and then you could tell that they were trying to catch up because of the error. And and actually this is one that you can't throw on the AEW production team, apparently. This was like a TBS issue, kinda like when they had that defense chant uh <laughs> in Ethan Page's uh first match ever. Uh, so yeah, so that's I don't know. TBS needs to fix their shit though. Like this is like a, a TV station that does live sports all the time. I don't understand why they're why they're having such a hard hard time with wrestling, but apparently they are. Um, yeah, that was that was that was brutal. Yeah, they definitely need to get over their shit. That's TBS. That that doesn't that doesn't look good, and it just makes AEW look bad and. The fact that they have had some of their own technical issues, it's uh, collecting, and yeah, it's that was that was that was fucking weird. Um, so anyone that had like YouTube TV, um, Comcast, there was a couple of TVs that don't like 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 if you DVR'd it, for instance, there's people that just miss the entire Edge and Christian segment. Wow, because that was all overrun. So like I I record I re- I um. Uverse allows you to record like a 15 minute before and after buffer 
So I always do that. So I get like a little bit of Big Bang Theory, but I always get 15 minutes of the next show. But there's certain like uh, cable companies that don't let you do that. So the only way you would have caught that is if you recorded the next show after. So they actually there's a lot of people that just didn't see that. It's kind of like the Hogan Goldberg pay-per-view match <laughs> or whatever. Or no, 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 well, that, famous, that was famous WCW. Like you just didn't see this match. You have to watch Nitro, I guess. Um. Yeah. So it it made them it made it made AEW look worse, and it really wasn't their fault, and that that kind of sucks. Like I, I feel for them on that because there was nothing they could do about it. But yeah, I mean, I, literally shit happens, but I guess it's not literally because there's no poop involved. But you know what I'm saying. Put an underline. Yeah, it would not happen again if Vince was running it, though. Hundred <laughs> percent, he would have fired so many people. Yeah, he would have been ruthless about it, man. Um, yeah, like that's it, just, uh, or he would be in like like the TBS office the next day. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> we if cannot have, if we cannot have that happen. Like, <laughs> um. Yeah, it just, I mean, it sucks. I probably just wouldn't have re-shown the vignette and just had Excalibur be like, hey, we posted this on Twitter, sorry about the sound, and then just moved along, honestly, because <laughs> it was not that important anyways. It was like a goofy comedy vignette. It was so stupid. Uh, I I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll talk more about that, but yeah, I was not a big fan of that vignette. Or the direction of certain things. Anyways, tag team title, uh, at least the number one contender match. Uh, we had the Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson, Lucha Brothers, um, the Guns, and Orange Cassidy and Hook, who are not related. Just wanted to clarify that. Um, it's just weird because, like, it, they were fun in it, and I like them as a tag team, but it's just like brothers, brothers, brothers. OC and Hook, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, I probably couldn't tell you many details about this match per se, but I know exactly what happened, if that makes sense, Chris, but uh, the Young Bucks ended up winning, and I was kind of like, huh? So we're going we're gonna to go back to uh, FTR and the Young Bucks, which is fine. They have good matches. I just, it threw me off. I, I think that he, both me and you predicted, uh, I want to say that, that I predicted the Lucha Brothers, but I could be wrong about that. But I don't think either one of us predicted the Young Bucks. Yeah, I didn't predict the Young Bucks simply because it is like just going to be a rematch of what we already did. I, I predicted OC and um, Hook just because that would be a fresh matchup because FTR's already wrestled everyone in this match. Um, yeah, the surprising part of, about this match is that they took Phoenix out like immediately with an injury angle. So Penta is just in there wrestling by himself against three other tag teams for a while. It was mostly like Hook, like in my notes, I wrote Hook sells a lot. There's a lot of Lucha spots. That's 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 what I wrote. So uh, obviously we didn't know how banged up Phoenix was, and he's probably dropping the title on Tuesday because he's legitimately like really hurting. Um, and Moxley wasn't supposed to lose anyways to begin with. So I hope that guy gets better soon. Um, in the meantime, there's a lot of stuff he could do with Pentagon. 
So maybe you will yeah. advantage because me and you both love Pentagon. I think everyone loves Pentagon. Maybe, I don't know, push him. He could have a feud with Samoa Joe or anyone really. What's Andrade doing? Let's get the Penta Andrade feud that we didn't know we needed, but kind of need now because those matches would be great. You know, no shit, man. I, I agree with you. Just, I, I would love to see Penta, just like Jay Lethal, get out of his group and kind of have, be, you know, elevated. And I know he has a match. He has a title match coming up too soon. Can't remember who he's going against. Oh, no, no, no. It's, um, oh, it's, Ed, it's against Eddie Kingston. He got confronted by that group of random people, Jeff Jarrett, Karen Jarrett. Um, and uh, told them all off. So him and Lethal are going in it. But I, I love that Kingston said, and it put like a little bit of hope, just like, you know, it's unfortunate Phoenix is banged up, but he needs his John Moxley fucking fucking couple weeks off, obviously. You know, uh, Moxley had that problem. Kenny had that issue. It's like these guys, they put a lot of miles on themselves. So I definitely praise them for that. But if there is a good upside to that, it's that Pentagon might get a little bit of, a, you know, a push uh, in a singles run. And like I was saying, with that happening, Eddie Kingston saying to all of the all of them and, and uh, uh, Sanjay Dutt specifically, you know, Jay Lethal is, is a great wrestler. He is. A, he's a past Ring of Honor champion. Um, you know, he's all of that. It's too bad that you guys are basically holding him back. And I hope maybe that kind of comes out if this becomes somewhat of a feud. But Jay Lethal and fucking Eddie Kingston feuding for the Ring of Honor championship and then Pentagon getting a, a bit of a push with his brother being absent. That's that's good for those two wrestlers that we both love, Chris. Yeah, I mean, when when he said that, though, I immediately was like, you're just going to overshadow the fact that Jeff Jarrett's in this group and has had, held belts in like every company. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's a good point <laughs> um uh i love double j though i i love i love this goofy group i wish they would lean more into it like they were with the briscoes or with that mark briscoe stuff like i wish they would lean into the goofiness of the fact that it's just like four random dudes <laughs> thrown together for no reason i mean outside of the fact that they did the uh rick flair's last match or whatever but outside of that there's like no reason these people would all be together in a group traveling around like could you imagine if you were like on a plane <laughs> sitting next to this group like if they weren't wrestlers no. that was just a crew of people that hung out together <laughs> they look like they should have been in the movie uh, bubble boy like a random group of just guys that he meets on his journey or some shit um, especially if, like it, actually honestly if Saddam Singh uh, can sit next to me on an airplane I'm probably going to be scared of him the whole entire time like he's going to eat me <laughs> when they were wrestling the Bucks and Kenny and they did the uh <laughs> The V-Trigger bang pose or whatever. <laughs> that was like one of the greatest things I've seen in AEW. <laughs> yeah, like, that was pretty awesome. The taunt pose and Satnam Singh was doing the bang. <laughs> like, that's what I'm saying. is If they leaned into the goofiness a little more with that group, I think it would actually be good. But yeah, I, I mean, obviously I want 
to just see Jay Lee lethal solo and, and get the love that he actually deserves. But uh, if they're not going to do that, let's lean into the goofiness. It worked for the acclaimed. Let's lean into it. That's a good point. For sure. I still love the, that Jim Cornette calls Satnam saying Zippy the Pinhead. Um, if you guys have never heard of that, it was an old school comic book character that DC ended up purchasing years, years back. But a very weird reference. Look up the picture of him and you'll have yourself a chuckle. I I, I love when like he like accidentally came out in front of uh, <laughs> like Double J when they're entering the ring and Double J is like, what are you doing, idiot? Get back so that he could raise his guitar. <laughs> like they're real fun to watch together that's what i'm saying if they leaned into more of the goofiness i think that would actually work for that group but obviously i would rather see jay lee yeah. versus samoa joe or um or or even double j versus like joe or in like a like double j versus like mjf would be great like there's a lot of stuff you could do with either of those guys but if they're going to be stuck in this group like let's lean into how ridiculous it is that they're a group to begin with and more yeah. Sanjay Dutt running around with a fucking that pencil or whatever. It's pretty good. Have them feud with the Callus family because they're like the exact opposite of Don Callis. <laughs> yeah, Don Callis family's looking pretty fucking good though. Um, yeah, that whole family. But yeah, that would be funny. Um, or or if you really want to make it just completely opposite, they should feud with um with uh, House of Black. <laughs> Double J comes out in his Undertaker gimmick. <laughs> oh I, yeah, too. I love Johnny Cash. <laughs> Man, who's the Undertaker? Sounds like a fucking. I don't know what Jay would say, but anyways, um, yeah. So Young Bucks won. They're going against FTR or the whoever won this match coming up, but obviously FTR beat Aussie Open. Actually, since I just brought that up, that was a good tag match. This that's second to last, but FTR did beat Aussie Open. Uh, they got good chemistry with these guys, so good stuff. And like I said, Young Bucks FTR four will be coming out soon, Chris. Which the Young Bucks have to win. Yeah, I mean, what's uh, it would be weird if they didn't, and then that would kind of set up another match, basically. Right. It's like the Ric Flair, Ricky Steamboat stuff. Like, well, <laughs> well, I guess you have to give the Young Bucks a win on this one. Um, I, I don't know. I wish they I, maybe they can make it like a trios championship match or something in the meantime. Like, yeah. find, find, find a way to introduce another tag team or something, because like. I don't necessarily know that the young bucks need the titles on them. And I don't, I mean, this will be a good match, but it is the fourth time we've seen them. And if I'm going to be a real dick here, I'd be like, none of those matches were as good as the matches that they had with the Briscoes. So let's try something different. Yeah. I tend to agree with you on that. Like I, I don't know. For some of the Aussie open matches versus FTR than I do the young bucks versus FTR. And that's not a shot at, at either any of those teams. Cause I think they're all phenomenal. And like, if you're making a top five tag team list, you could throw them in there in any order. Um, but 
Yeah, this is going to be the second time in, what, two months? And they really set up that Forbidden Door pay-per-view as, like, this is it. This is the, the last time. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this is the rubber match. And then we're right back here. <laughs> yeah, it almost makes me think that FTR, because I'm assuming that they'll be going against the Bucks at uh, the next pay-per-view. I forgot which one's coming up, but. That's the case. I guess FTR could possibly lose their titles until then. I don't know who the hell that would be against, but it's a possibility. But it just—it does seem like it's too soon to have another big Young Bucks FTR match. Has FTR re-signed? Yeah, uh, they signed like five years, so they kind of said this might be the end, like the last stop. After this, they might just retire. Yeah, I kind of thought that was the case. I don't know. I wonder if they're going to bring in a tag team or something into AEW. They need something. Their tag division has been hurt by the trios titles, and we've talked about that in the past. Um, And they haven't done a good job of building new tag teams or even some of the existing ones they have. Like, was it not private party? Is it private party? The one uh, with the Martin brothers where they keep on hurting? Well, that's top, that's top flight. Uh, was the ones that were with Matt Hardy? Oh shit! Yeah, what the hell happened to them? I know one of them was out, but he's been out forever. Isaiah Cassidy's been out forever because the other one's been hanging out with Matt Hardy. Right, and they're not. That's not Private Party. They have a different name. It was kind of like the same gimmick at the beginning, and that's why I confused the the two. Um, the the you have Santina uh, Santana and Ortiz. Um, who are they're broken up? They're feuding now, and they're feuding. You have the Lucha Brothers, and Phoenix is going to be hurt. Uh, is hurt, so that's one tag team out. I mean, the Righteous, I guess, but you just had them lose to MJF in a handicap match. Like, well, there's uh, two two teams in other companies both of them are acronyms <laughs> one's god the other one's uh MC. yeah <laughs> so yeah but shelly's doing big boss stuff right now he ain't got time he's working a match with okada or whatever <laughs> i think tomorrow i think that pay-per-view is tomorrow damn i'm definitely yeah. gonna have to watch that it's uh him, Josh Alexander, Chris Sabin versus Okada, Takahashi, and um, Tanahashi, maybe? I can't remember. I can't remember, but it was like, the, it, it it's going to be a banger of a match. And like, Okada buried all of Impact except for Alex Shelley, which was really funny. I saw it, what he initially <laughs> said. Like, oh, that company. I hate that company. <laughs> he was like, the Alex Shelley guy, he's pretty good, but the rest of y'all suck. Which apparently they were friends when he was an impact. Um, Dave was talking about that on a podcast, which is like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> so it was really funny, like listening to it again and be like, yeah, he really did just bury everything <laughs> except for Alex Shelley. <laughs> uh, I want a singles match with him and Alex or a singles match with him and uh, Josh. I mean, that's my mouth. Well, Alex Shelley's getting Jonathan Gresham. So Gresham is coming out of uh, wrestling retirement to <laughs> come back to Impact and wrestle Alex Shelley for the title, which should be really, really good. That's going to be a phenomenal match. And I'm excited to just to hear Jonathan Gresham's name again because 
I don't know what happened with him in AW. I kind of have a vibe of like what happened, but like when he was like, I'm just done wrestling. I was like, man, that's a, that's a loss for the wrestling world. He's, he's great. He's great. His wife, uh, Jordan Grace is great. They're a power couple in wrestling. Definitely want to see more of him. Not less. All right. Let's, uh, let's talk about the next match. One of my favorite matches on the card. The heel that everyone loves, Swerve Strickland, with Prince Madonna in his corner, went against Hangman Adam Page. Um, Hangman, I not only, not only because Swerve's from Seattle, I don't think that they just really had it out for fucking Page, and you could tell that it was kind of like throwing him off a bit throughout the match, and I mean anything that didn't matter what Swerve did if he like tried to break his neck in front of them they were cheering for him so this was a great match though these guys beat the living hell out of each other um i mean the stomps onto the onto him on uh onto page on the apron um they did a, i mean a lot of stuff my biggest thing with this match is that it should have ended with the championship like if, if page was losing anyways you really didn't have to do anything else after that the ref is distracted by Prince Nana. We've seen it a million times before. You got the belt, and there's a two count. It just didn't seem like it was necessary. I know that everyone wants to get their finisher in, but sometimes for, I think, the pace of a story that – and I thought they were doing a great job telling a story. Um, I think it's better to end on something like that than – it just – I don't know. It just kind of threw me off a bit. Maybe I'm just used to certain things in wrestling, Chris. Oh, you're used to a dusty finish actually being a dusty finish and not like a false count? Yeah. yeah. I agree with you. I thought, like, why? Was the, so we get one extra minute on this show that has, like, multiple 30-minute matches in 12 matches? Uh, I agree with you. Like, that part was uh, bad. The rest of this match was great, though. Um, I love that Swerve's getting a little bit of a push. I actually like Prince Nana as his manager. Um, there's some cool stuff that they can do with him. I, I am more worried about they have MJF tied up in a storyline with someone that is probably not going to wrestle for 8 to 12 months. Yeah. Um, and Roderick Strong. And like, how do you get Swerve there to the title picture? Um, and he's also still tied in with Samoa Joe, which I guess we could talk about the di- the dynamite stuff a little bit later. But like, there's only one MJF. You guys need to start spreading the love around at some point. Can't everybody be going after the guy? Uh, yeah, and uh, Hangman has to. He gets the privilege of going against Jay White, who's going to have to win. Who also is feuding with MJF right now. So Hangman's about to take two hard L's in a row this match. And then he's probably going to lose against Jay White. I wonder if people are going to be cheering for Jay over him. Oh, um, I mean, a hundred percent. Cause Jay White, he's kind of like MJF. He's just going to be over unless he's in a feud with MJF. People really like, like that group, the bullet club group that they have going right now. And I, I can't blame them. Uh, you get crazy Scott Steiner <laughs> juice, apparently. 
That's a, my new favorite thing. Is it's a, like what did the, someone called him a scrotum and he was like scrotum rock hard. I'm just like, dude, <clears throat> Juice Robinson is not used to working on camera for like a, like a live TV. Like some of the no. stuff he was doing was like. Not. It was like it was like HBK Hunter like '97 stuff he was doing in the ring. I was like, man, y'all about to lose some y'all about to lose some ads. <laughs> you guys Which, are in trouble for this. Yeah, Juice Robinson definitely probably got them in trouble <laughs> on Dynamite, <laughs> but it was great. <laughs> it was amazing. Um, yeah, I, I don't. Know. I, I I like Swerve a lot. I think that. It would be amazing to see him have a title run. I think him and MJF, like I talked about last week, with him being like a lyricist and rapper, I think that he could come up with some cool stuff to have a mic feud with MJF. Um, he had a great one with Hangman. I liked the aggression of Hangman stabbing him with a pencil. We talked, kind of talked about that a little bit last week as well. And in the great line that he had, he's like, what's a buckshot to a kill shot? Which was pretty good. Um, that needs to be a rap lyric of one of his next songs. Well, it's a it's a Little Wayne line. Oh, but it is. I just thought he was it, referencing the fact that he was called Killshot. Well, it's well he replaced words, but it was like, "What's a goon to a goblin?" It's same thing. Uh, I couldn't think gotcha. of it, but that's it was like. Uh, yeah, but in any case, I like this. Uh, I like where they're going with Swerve. Uh, MJF is got like a thousand feuds, <laughs> which is well deserved because he is a scumbag. Uh, he, he, he is apparently he is apparently the Stone Cold Steve Austin of I gotta fight ten guys right now um, for AEW. So they need to figure out they need they need another top babyface. I think they're doing okay with Brian Danielson to try to build him to that. But like MJF is going to need a friend. If Adam Cole is really gone for eight to, to 12 months. Well, maybe you can call his buddy Cody. See if he wants to come over and hang out for a little while or something. Uh, um, but yeah, <laughs> Wouldn't that be amazing though. If they actually did a, a talent trade, <laughs> be pretty good. I thought they did do that. that. Apparently, you know, Sasha's coming to AW or I should say Mercedes Monet. I guess she's the trade for, uh, Jade Cargill, and um, seems like Punk's being traded for Dolph Ziggler right now. I mean, uh, no, nothing against uh, <laughs> nothing, nothing against Jade Cargill, <laughs> or or the opposite way, but it sounds like AEW got fleeced in that deal <laughs> a little bit. Hey, you know, um, but uh, yeah, okay. So what was the next match? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. So, I know they had a match. I just don't remember seeing it. Ricky Starks beat Willer Yuta fairly quickly, a little bit less than 10 minutes. Um, that's the right choice. That's all I got for this. I actually uh, really liked Moxley on commentary here because when Willer Yuta lost, he was like, we, we don't expect him to rent, win right now. Like He basically treated him as a young lion. Like he's the future. You gotta lose to become a winner, kind of kind of thing, which I thought was great. The match itself was pretty good, and um, some of the best mic work 
like the go home show, like will or you to actually cut like a really good promo on Ricky Starks. I was, I was impressed by that. So uh, good all around good that Ricky Starks got a win. Cause like we just talked about, he had recently lost to both punk and Brian Danielson. So um, I think we're going to start the rehab of this. And Brian, I know that Brian Danielson's a big fan of Ricky Starks. So I don't be surprised if he starts getting pushed into a title picture in the near vicinity. Yeah, and it, uh, you know, Starks has kind of stayed a lot on collision, not saying that he can't go back and forth, or he hasn't, but Brian Danielson seems to be kind of now in charge of that show. Uh, so, especially under his watch, at least on collision, I, I could see more and more of Ricky Starks being shown for sure. Speaking about Brian, you want to talk about his match? <laughs> what a match. What match a- of the night? Easily match of the night, potentially match of the year. A technical masterpiece with Mr. Zack Sabre Jr. Um, just fucking awesome. I hope they have another one. I hope this is the first of a couple. I know Brian Danielson recently said that as much as he wanted to, he's probably not going to be able to do a G1 tournament due to all the issues that he has, but you know, he did also tell his daughter that he was wrapping up soon. It's her birthday, I think, coming up. I think he's got like another year, but like she's about to have one, and then it's one more year, and that's it for him. Um, so he's going to basically pick a lot of his opponents. You could tell he wanted to have this match. This was a dream match. These are two of the best technical wrestlers, uh, and just their styles. Uh, Brian learned from William Regal, uh, so he's really good at catch catch can. Zack Sabre Jr. is, you know, a lot of in a lot of ways a modern Billy Robinson. And they had a fucking awesome match that Danielson finally inevitably won. But like I said, I hope that we get another match in the future. And this was at almost twenty three minutes, so pretty good match and lengthy. Did you I want like more, Chris? Did you like the strap match better or this match? Man, I love the strap match as well, but I think this match, but Ryan really is stepping up his game recently. Yeah, he's like just basically in the back being like, hold my beer to Kenny Omega. Yeah. <laughs> like as far as recent stuff goes, not that Kenny's been having bad matches or anything, but yeah, um, I it was this was a phenomenal match it lived up to the hype because this match has been built up in fans heads that was what we talked about last week is like is it actually going to perform to the expectation of what we've built up in our heads and the answer to that question was fuck yeah it did <laughs> it turns out turns out it did it's a great match i think the right person won um they're probably going to do this match again at wrestle kingdom that's what i'm hoping I would love to see another match between the two of them at Wrestle Kingdom for sure. Uh, Just trade wins and then they'll finish it up at Forbidden Door or something. If it's literally going to be like Brian Danielson's last run, that would make a lot of sense and a perfect opponent for him. Yeah. And let me just say the last couple of matches, the strap match with Ricky Starks, this match, this match with Okada, you know, I'm glad that Brian Danielson's it, it. Is he just picking who he wants to go against Chris at this point? 
I mean, if you're Brian Danielson, you don't have to pick anybody. Everybody's picking you, right? Yeah, <laughs> he's, good, point. He's just, good point. He's just he's just accepting Valentine's Day cards. Because <laughs> 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 um, I feel like everyone wants to work a match. I'm sure that like, uh, you know, Kevin Owens is right. He's like, man, I bet I could have a really good match with Brian Danielson. <laughs> I know they've wrestled before, but sure. probably, he probably watched that match. He's like, man, there's a lot of cool. You know what I mean? I think everyone wants to wrestle Brian Danielson. Um, He's I'm Goku. This, I'm going to give him a little bit of, yeah, he, you know what? That is the best comparison. You can't even compare Brian Danielson to other wrestling. You just compare him to Goku. <laughs> Super nice guy. Vegan. <laughs> somehow has recovered from things that would kill most people. He is basically Goku. You've, you've and nailed. he wants to fight people. He just wants to fight to see who's the best fighter. Yes. <laughs> Brian Danielson should just show up in the Turtles gi from Dragon Ball Z. It's just the orange and blue Goku gi. <laughs> um, no, that's that. That's an incredible comparison. <laughs> but yeah. Welcome. I will say that uh, one thing that I've noticed about Collision is that everything that like Punk was doing and they still were doing with Collision, Brian Danielson didn't change any of it. <laughs> They're still doing oh. the, same, the same stuff. He was like, well, he wasn't wrong. I mean, maybe he was a dick, but like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, this note did not yeah. change at all. <laughs> so, like. It's going to be really funny when they bring Jungle Boy back and he wants to do a glass spot and Brian Danielson's like, oh no, it seems seems kind of dumb. <laughs> yeah, what's up, Jack? No, you can't use any fucking glass. Yeah, see, that's the difference is like, because Brian Danielson's such a nice person, I bet that would not cause any heat at all. <laughs> You're just like... It's just really funny to think about. Like, it's yep. still the exact same show with the exact same people in booked kind of the same way. But yeah. anyways, they had a, they had an absolute banger of a match. Um, this Brian Danielson match on Tuesday should be really good as well. Hell yeah, it should definitely looking forward to it. All right. Next match, the Don Callis family, Kanoshke, Takeshka, Will Ospreay, Sammy Guevara with Don Callis going against Chris Jericho, the golden elite, uh, Kenny Omega and Kota Bushi. And those poor baby faces, this needed to happen. We we needed Jericho, Coda, and fucking Kenny uh, to lose uh, because this family is becoming one of the things I really like finding out more about with AEW. This would even change again uh, on Dynamite with Chris Jericho getting attacked by the newest recruit, uh, Will Hobbs. So now he's got Takeshka, he's got Osprey, he's got Kavara, and he's got Hobbs. So Don Callis is doing his own Heenan family, man. And uh, this is a fun match. Uh, Keshka definitely was working with his old mentor, but I thought Kota Bushi, especially when the two of them were in the ring, looked a lot better this time around than he has uh, since we've seen him basically on AEW. Uh, what do you think about this match, Chris? I think Kota looked better. I think that he needs to get in that hyperbolic chamber that all <laughs> that all the other wrestlers we talked about earlier has gotten into. Um, but he looked better in this match than he did the last pay-per-view for sure. I thought this was a really fun match. I mean, um, Takeshka probably actually stole the match. Yeah. 
far as in ring work and stuff, like he's really fucking good. Um, and then Kenny sold his ass off and Jericho uh, let them do a lot of work, but hit the Jericho spots you would want to see. So it's kind of like what we predicted it would be. Um, but really good. Actually, a little yep. better than I expected it to be. Yeah, no, I agree with you. And how do you like uh, the John Cal's family now shaping up? We got Takeshka, Osprey, Guevara, uh, Hobbs, and apparently this is not it. Um, I don't know if they're flirting because of the team up with one of the members of Aussie Open, uh, but maybe they're going to be his, his tag team. But um, like I said, Don Callis is trying to trying to get his own family. You know what I'm saying? Like his own uh, Heenan family on Dynamite so, or, or AEW General. So Don kind of buried him when he lost on Tuesday, though. So I was kind of thinking like. Maybe that's going to piss Ozzy Open off, and they're going to flip the other side and be part of this Jericho that's a point. thing. Because that guy, like, dude, and, and also I, I do want to talk, because I don't know if we're going to get into the full Dynamite stuff, but, like, Jericho and Kenny made sure that guy looked like a million bucks knowing he was going to take the pin. They gave him so much, <laughs> like, in that match. Like, there was, like, a there was like five minutes of that match on Tuesday or Wednesday where Takashka was just out of the ring, and uh, I can't. Why, why, I can't remember his name right now. The the, the skinnier guy from Aussie Open uh, was just putting in absolute work on Kenny Omega and Chris Jericho. Like they they really sold for that guy, and I think that's great. Like I think that's incredible. Absolutely. But yeah, good fun, good match. I like where they're going. I think Hobbs is a great addition. To Don Callis's group. Um, we talked about FTR and Aussie Open, which I think it was, is it Kyle Fletcher? So if we can catch this. Yes, uh, Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher. And yeah, yeah, it's good. Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis. Yeah, I just, for whatever reason, I wanted to call him Fletch, and I knew that wasn't, <laughs> wasn't right. So that would be a good nickname for Chris Jericho to call him when he can't remember his name in a promo. He's like Fletch. That'd be hilarious. All right. So the last match, and I, I mean, it's, it's all going to come down to what happened afterwards more so than anything, but so two out of three match for the TNT championship. I get, I couldn't tell Chris, and maybe I'm just not remembering correctly. Is their version of two out of three, uh, ex- like all extreme rules, basically, unlike WWE? Or did they not really do extreme rules? They just kind of went around it. I don't remember. I thought that because, like, there's the end where he fucking literally pulls off the canvas to screw Darby up some more. Yeah, Luchasaurus was helping him the whole entire time. Yeah, I don't. I mean, it's AEW referees, so it goes. <laughs> Was Rick Knox refereeing this? God damn it. New uh. Japan ref. They're basically from New Japan referees. <laughs> Anything can happen. Yeah, Red uh, sees everything. He sees fucking chairs thrown at people's heads and doesn't do shit about it. Yeah, I didn't have as much of a problem with them peeling the mat back. The mat back. Um. Because, like, I don't know that there's a rule against that. Or at least not one I've ever seen enforced in wrestling. Is that the same thing as, like, taking off the turnbuckle pad, I guess? Is that 
Yeah, or if you technically set up a table and push someone into it, then it's okay. But if you were to powerbomb them through it, it would not be stupid shit like that. Wouldn't I mean, like, if we're going to go that old school, wouldn't it be like if you crotch a guy on the top ropes, you should technically be disqualified because you low blowed him? That's uh, that's a good point. Um, or if you throw a guy into a post, technically you use the ring as a weapon, so you should be DQ'd. Like, would Bruno yeah, is- San Martino do it? Maybe that's the question we should all be asking ourselves. If we're, I, I don't know. I mean, we knew this match was going to be kind of a clusterfuck anyways, but it would be nice if they just said, like, if it's a no DQ match, just say it's a no DQ match. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you on that, and I pretty much always do, but the 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 big thing that happened obviously um they're beating the crap out of Darby you know Nick Wayne turns on Darby uh and Luchasaurus them Christian they're all beating him up and strange enough i guess because so Edge kind of explained this he's friends with Miles and the WWE didn't have rights to the song because that's an Alter Bridge song so that's why he's able to use it now and this now it's weird now him not being edge and trying to go by adam well not trying to go by he is going by his real name adam copeland but it was the same fucking edge from wwe same package same entrance i'm surprised he didn't get like told don't do all that posing you know but I, maybe they because brian danielson's not allowed to do the yes chant but i don't know there's a lot of legal shit in there but edge came out scared basically christian his best friend out of the ring and then speared Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus back-to-back and helped up Darby Allen, had like a little bit of a standoff with Sting, which if you've heard Edge in interview, Sting's one of his favorite wrestlers of all time, so that was a big deal for him. And uh, yeah, man, I mean, it's only a short amount of time. I love the uh, stuff they did at the end of Dynamite with him, you know, really having this heart-to-heart with Christian and Christian telling him to go fuck himself afterwards. (laughs) This has been the best setup for Edge that he's had in a long time. I honestly already am more invested in Edge than I have been since he came back uh, a while back in WWE from retirement. So I don't know if that's going to stay like that, but I'm just saying right now, especially seeing him and Christian a long feud, I think they're going to have a lot of fun with that. I think we're going to get some miles out of that. So uh, good stuff. I mean, like, Christian did dastardly stuff to Sting and TNA, I'm pretty sure. That was my only problem with it. I was like, you were just ignoring, like, <laughs> ten, 10 years of Christian that existed. Um, no, I, I like the feud. I like the setup. I'm assuming they're eventually going to be a tag team again at some point. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that they're using Beth Phoenix for the You Think You Know Me uh, on the voice over the song that is cool that he i guess he's just good friends with rob zombie and alter bridge that's what edge does in his off time when he's not making haven or whatever he was just hanging out with those bands. Oh, um chris i think i'm oh can you hear me we apologize for the fact that there's some missing audio here uh hopefully we will not have those issues in the future, but wanted to give a heads up if the show seemed like it ended abruptly. Once again, apologize to the listeners out there. 